1: welcome auburn into the tuesday edition of sports call live on tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app my name is ryan laboy the host of this show today i've got brant Dontry and tom peavy once again as we go through another three hours with you on this tuesday we'll have more on the aftermath of auburn and new mexico state and start to look ahead towards the iron bowl we'll have justin ferguson of the auburn observer on at 3 30 he will talk about this auburn football team what he made of the game on saturday what he thinks of the iron bowl coming up on this coming saturday and then also we will talk some auburn basketball today auburn basketball back in the saddle against alabama a m tonight inside of neville arena Uh, last game in quite some time they don't play again until the end of next week uh, and we never really got to uh, digest the positivity from Auburn over this past weekend in the form of their basketball team. So we'll talk a little bit about that St. Bonaventure game. And, again, look forward to Alabama A&M tonight for Bruce Pearl's men's basketball team. And, of course, we want to continue to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER9. 9 going to go ahead and remind everybody that we will not be having a live show tomorrow. Uh, it is a pre recorded show. It will be a new show. It's not, uh, it's not a best of or anything like that. It is a new show. It was recorded late last night in our, our Tiger, Tiger Communications studios. Uh, so that will be something new for everyone. Uh, it will have some Iron Bowl preview, uh, some NFL preview, some Thanksgiving Day preview. Uh, a look at some of the college games will be going on before we get back on the air live at three o'clock on Friday. And then also at the end, we did talk a little Thanksgiving uh, food and festivity as well. So that is a new show tomorrow. It is just not a live show. So we can take your phone calls today and we can take them again on Friday with another live show, but no show at all Thursday and a pre recorded show tomorrow again ryan brant and tom with you here on this rainy tuesday afternoon tom pv i saw that you pulled up right as uh, the second wave of monsoon hit i hope you are dry
2: <laughs> and uh, doing well today fortunately i was at the fire station and i came over here and i was looking outside and i'm like okay it's pouring down rain i looked over on my rack and i was like oh my gosh i've got my rain jacket my bright yellow traffic <laughs> rain jacket grabbed it put it on and i needed every single bit of coverage because yeah uh i joked when i walked in the door i was like we've needed rain around here for so bad but this is a little stupid <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean goodness gracious pouring down rain but um doing great i stayed dry as much as i could and uh hopefully this band will get on out of here and now that cold air will come in behind it and make it start feeling like fall again so uh looking forward to Thanksgiving. looking forward to getting through uh next couple of days and then being able to spend time with family and uh Talking some football, talking some basketball, little NFL, good NFL game on last night, the there Taylor was. the Taylor Swift Bowl. Um. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, she wasn't even there. I know she wasn't even there.
2: <laughs> I know, but it, she's an Eagles fan and she's dating Travis Kelsey, so you know there's that whole thing. Is the Taylor Swift? Yeah, Bowl. all the Swifties were watching it. So, um, but yeah. Good day so far. Just a very wet day.
1: Yes, sir. Brent Dontry, how are you on this Tuesday?
3: Yeah, like you guys both said, it's been a nasty weather day, but I kind of like that sometimes. And like Tom was alluding to, we've we've needed rain around here, so certainly not complaining about it. But uh, doing good. I, I think yesterday was the the day to air frustrations uh, about what happened on Saturday. Uh, I, I think now we'll today we'll talk more about the the long term impact of it and. Uh, what it means from a big-picture standpoint rather than the how in the world did this happen kind of thing. But, uh, I, you know, having a good day. Um, it's the last day of the week that I'm going to be here. Well, until Friday. I'll be back on Friday. But um, uh, heading out tomorrow, uh, driving to Americus, Georgia, uh, to go spend time with my family, and uh, looking forward to that for sure. So uh, a, a good, good final three hours of the work week here, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to... Uh, Thanksgiving for sure and having a little time off there in the middle of the week. And uh, again, as Brent said, we will be back here on Friday for a live show from three to six. So going can get uh, last <coughs> minute iron ball thoughts and uh, all those calls that day too. Of course, again, um, love to hear from you on the orthopedic clinic phone line today at three, three, four, eight, eight, seven, three, four, zero, one or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Again, Justin Ferguson will be joining us at three thirty today to talk all things Auburn, but of course we start uh, with some more Auburn football today and uh, still wrapping up the New Mexico State game, which again, normally uh, in a perfect world, uh, you would be going ahead and and not thinking anything of that game as it pertains to the Iron Bowl. And I did ask the question yesterday uh, how you guys felt it might impact the Iron Bowl and, and your thought on that. Uh, when we're looking towards the Iron Bowl, though, and we think about some matchups, we think about some preview of the game itself, uh, I think that it's important to start with this This Alabama team has improved a lot. Uh, it is something that at the beginning of the year, they were not beating anyone significantly. and Now they beat a couple of good teams. Still, they beat Ole Miss early in the year and, and won that one, but uh, was not overly impressive against Arkansas. Obviously the South Florida game was is their whoops game of the year, but they they obviously held on and, and still won it. They' they're, they feel a lot different now at this point than they were then. What for you has been the biggest difference for Alabama's improvement and what to, what is Auburn's greatest challenge in playing Alabama on Saturday?
3: I think the thing where Alabama has improved the most is quarterback play. We, I remember watching that Texas game and going, man, Jalen Milrow is probably the worst quarterback Alabama's had since I couldn't think of a guy who played worse. Um, and then the USF game, they tried uh, Buckner. Yeah, Tyler Buckner. Yeah, the yeah. kid from Notre Dame. Tried him out. He wasn't any good. They went back to Jalen Milrow. And since they went back to Jalen Milroe they have leaned into what he does well, which is running the ball and throwing it 50 yards in the air uh, and that's kind of their offense right now is Jalen Milrow running the ball and completing very very deep passes that's what that's how they have put up their points and since they have kind of embraced that Jalen Milrow's looked a lot more comfortable uh, the wide receivers are looking a lot more comfortable that offense has executed at a high level and the defense for Alabama has been insane all year uh, it's it's a Nick Saban defense it's going to be really good uh, the biggest challenge I think is probably going to be – I mean, I, I know that Auburn's secondary has been pretty good this year, but you look at the wideouts that Alabama's going to throw at them, it's going to be tough to cover all of those guys for the entire game. Uh, Jermaine Burton is the one that comes to mind immediately. He's been a, he's been insane for Alabama. I think he's averaging 22 yards a catch right now, um, which is just incredible. And trying to lock him down, it's not a question of can you shut him down, it's can you limit him. And I, I think that if anybody has the secondary to do it, it's Auburn. But doing it for an entire game and doing it when you have those other wide receivers out there that are at, that are not as good but are still really good, it's just a tough matchup. The passing game for Alabama is so dynamic right now. It's going to be tough to stop.
2: Yeah, so when uh, with that being said – the, to, for me, the most important thing is going to be getting that pressure on Milrow. Make him make the quick decisions. Make him flush out of the pocket and then try to work side to side and contain him in there. But, yeah, if you can't get pressure on him and you give him time to sit back there, somebody is going to get open. You cannot cover those guys consistently. I don't care how good your secondary is. Auburn's got a great secondary. They can be locked down, but that's not going to happen all game. You're gonna have to get back there and get on Milrow and make him make fast decisions, get him on the ground. Uh, I want to see the 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 exotic blitzes, the exotic confusing looks and blitzes that we saw against Arkansas that just really rattled their quarterback. And I mean, that's what you're gonna have to do is is get back there on him and, and put the pressure on him to make the play. So um and for me, that is actually the most—that's the most important thing on defense. But that's going to be the most important thing of, of the game because let's just admit it: the offense points are going to be at a premium. This offense is not going to put up a whole lot of points against Bama's defense. We all know that this team is not built for putting up a whole bunch of points. Not against a, a pretty, uh, not against a good defense. You, you can put up crazy points against somebody like Arkansas. But against a really good defense, you're going to have to rely heavily on the defense because you're not going to score a lot. So um, that, that's going to be it. Uh, if if Milro is allowed to sit back there and, and have a field day against them, then this game will get out of hand very quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the part of it where you just have to generate pressure is something that you're going to hear us talk a little bit about on tomorrow's pre-recorded show. Is that Alabama is towards the bottom of the SEC in allowing sacks. And it's because Jalen Milroe uh, tends to have an a, a ability to, yes, let the play develop, but also he does sit in the pocket a good bit. He has taken his fair share of sacks. I mean, that's just evident in the rushing total. Milroe is at 332 rushing yards in the year in over 100 attempts. Well, that's because there's a lot of sacks. Uh, thrown in there and and so he is going to make explosive plays when he chooses to run Uh, however there are going to be times where he kind of sits and doesn't read it quickly he usually comes to the right decision he he's made far fewer poor decisions the back half of the year Uh, but but certainly he is somebody that does or at least for the most part has taken a little while to process things so that that's something that you're trying to prey on if you are Auburn and I just think that when you're looking at Jermaine Burton, you're looking at Isaiah Bond, you're looking at Kobe Prentice, there's plenty of guys that are going to make plays for Alabama. Yes, not for now these guys are not, you know, the Waddle Ruggs and Smiths and, and all those guys. They're still pretty darn good, though, and they're certainly bound to make you pay with deep balls. And I think that – what Auburn is tasked with doing is trying to generate some chaos without giving up the back-breaking long plays. Because, again, Alabama is very adept at making these big plays. I mean, you've said it yourself – Brant, that when Jermaine Burton catches a pass, it's a 20-yard play. That's not some small thing. Right. Uh, And Milrow has had plenty of deep ball completions this year. It's the one thing he did well, even early in the year, is he'd have the occasional big deep ball, and then that has started to progress slowly. I'm not promising you, if you make Alabama put together a 13-play drive, that it's going to end up being successful for you all the time. But I know that there are a few things more backbreaking than a 60 or 70 yard touchdown play. And Alabama has uh, a great ability to do that. I think back to the Tennessee game where they're down 20 to 7 at half. This feels like the turning point in Alabama's season because they were still having some problems at that point. They're down 20 to 7 at half and they come out of the locker room and have like a two or three play drive and hit a 40, 50 yard touchdown play at the start of the second half, and it felt like Tennessee, half their work was was gone in a matter of seconds. And so you can make all these great plays time after time again, but if you allow that big play, it's backbreaking because so much of that work is vanished in the matter of, of seconds.
3: Yeah, it, I think the word you used there was demoralizing, and I, I like that word a lot. I think that's a very oh. accurate word because scoring against the Alabama defense is like pushing the boulder up the hill, right? And so when you get that boulder all the way up that hill and then all of a sudden it rolls back down and now Alabama's pushing it up and they can—they only have to use one hand and it's like they're riding an escalator because they just scored on a 50-yard touchdown pass, then you know it, it is demoralizing because you had to do so much to get the ball in the end zone and then it's just so easy for them. And backbreaking. And they just have so many weapons with which to do it. They have a quarterback who loves to do it. And they've got, and again, like I said, the the other super important and damaging thing is that their defense makes it very, very tough to roll that boulder up that hill. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be tough.
1: Hugh Freeze said last night on Tiger Talk, talking about what their offensive game plan might tend towards, and he was kind of of the opinion that we're going to only put. The stuff we know we can do on there, and if that's five things, it's five things. And uh, we're, we're not. We're, he he said that he finds that in games like this, sometimes less can be more, a little more. Is is that the right approach for this offense coming off of a um, an uneven year, to say the least? Uh, is is it? I mean, because you're struggling like this, I, I think one school of thought would be to try to confuse the really good defense and and do all you can and and pull all the rabbits you can find out of all the hats you can find, but maybe you're not good enough to do that, so you try to do the few things that you feel confident. I mean, where where would you be on that?
3: Yeah, I, I think that it's the right decision to make. I would. Uh, I would qualify it by saying that Hugh Freeze's playbook has not been super expansive this year anyway. Uh, It's been mostly simple stuff or or very surface-level stuff. Uh, He has not gone deep into a bag of tricks. Um, He has not pulled out a million different route combinations. He has run, for the most part, his running game is inside zone Um, and a couple of RPO looks off of that inside zone. And there's just not a lot of... There's not a lot of variety. And... I think if you're going to beat a team like Alabama or even stay competitive with them, you have to do the things that you do well. And that's that's, that's what I think every good offense does. I don't think you have to have this million-page playbook to have an effective and confusing offense. You just have to know what you do well, have enough stuff, and execute. right. And that was the Gus Malzahn philosophy. Um, there's a, a Bruce Lee quote that I go back to a lot of he said something along the lines of I don't fear the man who has practiced a thousand kicks once I fear the man who has practiced one kick a thousand times and when you have that one play in your playbook that you just execute really well and the other team can't stop it then that's more effective than well I've got seven billion different plays but none of them work so I do think it's good to simplify the playbook I also would argue that the playbook has been simplified all year long, and I'm not sure how much less you can do from a, a conceptual standpoint.
1: Sure. Uh, and I think certainly that's the case the majority of the year. Uh, maybe we felt like we were seeing different stuff in the, the sequence of three right. games just because it and was they, starting to work. And They did open yeah. it up a little bit. Sure. They did. Uh, you know, my my thing is I think that they have to be – Very intentional, and they have to push the right buttons on pace in this game, because pace has been a a subject matter, too, and they obviously did not want to use pace against teams like LSU and Ole Miss. Uh, They did want to use pace these past few weeks. New Mexico said, "I don't know what they wanted to do. I couldn't tell anything. Uh, they, they did not accomplish anything."
3: Uh, when you're averaging nine and a half yards on third down, right, it's tough to it. It's tough to say that you had the opportunity to execute pace,
1: right? And, and so, when I think of what the plan against Alabama is, again, this would fall into the category of earlier in the season. Like, yep, concerned about the offense, concerned about being on the field too much, and maybe concerned about time possession. But most important thing is the best way of scoring. And I think that Auburn, because of some offensive uh, ineptitude that that still exists, period, even after the the better weeks, I just think that they are really, really hard-pressed to play slow and to play without a prior rhythm. They have to gain rhythm. And gaining rhythm for them usually means going a little faster. And I go back to even stuff I saw back in in the Vandy game. And you say, it's Vandy who cares, but they were going with up tempo and then Vandy would just simply not be aligned correctly. And then Jarquez Hunter explosive play. They did not run well, except we talked about this. They did not run that well, except for those two or three explosive plays uh, in that game. They had plenty of one and two yard runs. However, They had used pace prior to those successful runs. They ended up blowing them open. And I think that that's part of the hope is that I I think in a perfect world, Auburn is able to, on first and 10, they're able to complete a drive starting pass, not a deep ball. Yeah, I mean, like if you're going to give me a 30-yard pass, yes, I would rather have 30 (laughs) than seven. But a five to seven-yard pass, a, a quick comeback, quick slant, maybe a screen here and there. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about swing screen, I'm talking about something that's more wide receiver based or or, or just, I, I don't know, not, not necessarily just I'm going to throw it out to the flat and hope the two receivers hold the block for three seconds. Not, the, not that kind of screen. But I would say that you do that, then you get to second and medium. You get second and three to four to five. And then that's the down you, you figure out if you're going to be able to run the ball well or not. Because then you use that opportunity to run. You get four yards. You get a first down. You say, okay, now you start to feel better and better about the run game, and you go faster and faster and faster. You, you run for one, and you third and three. You say, okay, well, this is why we're going to have to think of creative ways of moving the ball. That's, that's to me, how they're probably going to have to go at it because I just would find it hard to believe Sure, Auburn might have two gaping runs in the in the in the game. They they might they might very well find it. It might be one Jarquez right up the middle for thirty. It might be a Batie around edge for twenty. I I don't know, but I am not going to bank on if I'm Auburn running thirty times and having twenty or twenty five of them be for four yards plus. I just don't think that they're going to all of a sudden be moving Alabama off the lines of scrimmage. So in my my mind. It's not that I'm not going to try. It's I'm very intentional to try the tendency breakers. And you think I'm playing safe on first down. Well, maybe I'm throwing on first down. And you think that, uh, you know, I, I let's say it is second and eight. You think that I might be running. I said I'd run in second and three, but maybe if it's second and eight, I say, well, you think I'm going to run to set up third and manage? Well, maybe I throw it again. So, now, so I – I am more interested in that sort of philosophy because I I just I can't see them executing for sixty minutes the game plan of we're just going to be slow and get three to four yards at a time. And Tom, what do you think about their pace and
2: and the style here? Uh, uh, so I mean, for me in this game, the style is throw everything out there. Uh, I mean, this is you have nothing to lose right now. The, I mean, you throw everything out there. Like you're talking about. Mix it up. be Mix it up. Give them what they expect. Then don't give them what they expect. Mix it up. Uh, bag of tricks. Now is when the bag of tricks need to come out. Um, go go tempo. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Go tempo. You know, whatever you got to do to change it up. Confuse them. Every little bag of tricks that you have. That you, you the, have either used and shown. Or the stuff you haven't shown. This is now when you do it. And... I don't want to see them do the, the worst thing they could possibly do is the same old stuff that we've seen. The you know the first down run up the middle, maybe throw on second, but most of the time you're going to run up the middle or maybe to a to the boundary and then third and long we're just going to run it and set up a punt. I, no, the, this has to be the most unorthodox game plan that we have seen this year. Uh, we can't sit there. I don't know how many times you've sat in a press box or watching TV or whatever where you can sit there and watch and you know exactly what's about to happen. You, as not even the player, not even the coach, or not even a defender, can sit there and you're like, I know exactly what's about to happen right now. That cannot happen at any point against Alabama. It has to be the most unorthodox, confusing nonsensical i guess if you want to say that of what we have seen if they're going to have any sort of success so can it be tempo sure you want to slow it down a little bit sure but it it, it can't be the same that we've seen that that is destined for failure uh 100 destined for failure if if we're to see the exact same stuff
1: so again my question though is i mean you, you have to pick one. So coming into the game, what's your thought on? I, I is it balance? Is it is it fast? Is it slow? I mean, you, you still have to have an idea of where you want to get this. Um, game to. I, I
2: mean, ba- the balance the balance is yeah, the balance is there. But I you know honestly, I think if you choose one, um. Man, that's what makes it, it's what makes it so tough because this team is not built for this, but you almost have to use that New Mexico state style thing on it is to control the ball. This team's not built to do that though, unfortunately. They they're just not. I mean they they are not a grind the clock out type team. They they are a three and out team whenever they try to do <laughs> that. Um but that's what you're. That's what you're gonna have to. If you have to absolutely choose one, you want to burn as much clock off as you possibly can because you're not gonna outscore that. You're not gonna beat them in a shootout. You're not gonna win a forty something to forty something game against Alabama. You're just not. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I have to choose one, it needs to be slow, methodical, and and make them only be able to run three plays in the first quarter, like New Mexico State did to Auburn. Unfortunately, like I said, Auburn's not built for that, so that's not going to happen. In that case, you need to balance the speed and the slow. Uh, You've got to take the shots. Uh, You're not going to be able to just keep everything right there in front of you. You've got to be able to take some shots and and then maybe work some speed in there. Take, Take your shots, get to the line, and then maybe work some speed. You know you're going to have to mix it up. I mean, it's not like the definitive answer, but I mean that's kind of about as close to definitive as I can give you. I know what they need to do; they're just not capable of doing that.
3: the The thing that's going to decide this about what Auburn's game plan is is going to be the matchup between Auburn's offensive line and Alabama's defensive line. There is no chance in hell that Auburn's offensive line has to just blow Bama's D line off the ball and run it up the middle no. for an average of five yards a carry. You're not going to get that. So what you've got to do, and this is something that Hugh Freeze has done a lot historically, his teams are not run first teams. They are not dominant at running the ball. They throw to set up the run. Um, outside of his outside of the Malik Willis years at Liberty, they've never been. He's never been a super great running team coach. So you've got, to, you've got to have those quick passes. You've got to get the ball out on the edge. When you do run the ball, it can't just be inside zone. You're going to have to run run plays that you haven't shown yet this year, like Tom said, but they're going to have to be things that you feel confident in. You can't just throw the kitchen sink at the wall and say, hey, maybe something will stick because Alabama right. will kill you if you try and do that. But you've got to do something to get the motion going one way and, co- and come back with it the other. You've got to – your RPOs have got to be quick. You can't if Auburn runs an RPO fade in, in this game. I'm going to have a conniption. You got to <laughs> You're going to have to do what works, but also expand into some stuff that you haven't shown yet, which is obviously the game plan for any game you're coming into. But when you're so outmatched in the trenches, like Auburn will be in this game, you're just going to have to get creative and you're going to have to spread Bam out.
1: Question I want to ask you guys, and we're we're going to have to get to it later in the show because we've got Justin Ferguson coming on, is by playing slow, is that inherently conservative? I want you guys to think about that because uh, I know there's some, Tom, you're saying they want to bring out the bag of tricks, but is that inherently conservative to already be playing slow? So we want to think about that. We'll answer that a little bit later in the show. For now, though, we got to take our first time out. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will be joining us after this timeout. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoie, Brent Dauntry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon as we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line now. And we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Again, taking some time out of his day to join us this afternoon. Ferg, I hope the trip to Brooklyn uh, was a lot of fun and uh, good to be talking to you again on this Tuesday.
4: Yeah, it was a good good trip and uh, looking forward to some more Auburn basketball tonight. And then obviously this being uh, Iron Bowl week, biggest time of the year.
1: Absolutely. So, obviously, we have to review before we get into the Iron Bowl uh, and then a little bit of Auburn basketball. Uh, what in the world happened uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday? I know, Ferg, that you were still making your way back, but uh, just from what you noted and, and what you saw, uh, just, just uh, sum up the, the loss for us.
4: Yeah, no, it was definitely one of those things where Auburn just played the worst possible game and, and, and paid for it against a team that was fearless, They came into and Hair knowing that they wanted, no, knowing exactly what they wanted to do, and feeling like they could move the ball. And Auburn was just not ready to play a team like that. They were flat. They were uninspired. Um, They did about everything wrong that you could in a game like that. And um, you know, it's 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 an embarrassing loss for sure because you know you just never were competitive against a team that. You should have beaten, even if you weren't at your best, even if you weren't close to your best, you should be able to beat a team like New Mexico State. And so the fact that they didn't, it's just a huge just blow and a missed opportunity because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, you know, you're still going to a ball game. This, this It's not going to derail recruiting or anything like that, but it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're just like, you know, how do you respond from it? And if you aren't able to – You know, win this weekend or play a competitive game against Alabama this weekend. People are going to point back to that, and that's going to have a lasting impact uh, for a while. And so, Auburn has got to be able to bounce back in a a short amount of time. But I mean, they just—they just got beaten all three phases of the game flatly. Um, Execution, New Mexico State was cleaner. Uh, Auburn just did not look ready and prepared to play and, and paid for it dearly
2: yeah. and and justin you talked about how this game could affect what we see against alabama but one of the things i've mentioned and i've seen other people talk about that game could be uh, a program defining type game as far as looking you know if this team has a lot of success under uh, Hugh you freeze you go back and look at that game as that was the catalyst to success or years down the road you look back at that and say the writing was on the wall and this is going to be a failure do you feel that way or do you think that people are overthinking this a little bit too much
4: i mean it's definitely going to be one of those things where how they respond to it is going to probably be more important than the game itself i think it's i think it's a game that you know you're still going to a bowl game your bowl destination probably didn't change even though you lost a game like this you know you're still in that same kind of pool of six that uh you could end up being in it's just You know, for Auburn, it's like, how do you respond to it, and and what do you do moving forward to prevent that from happening? Hugh Freeze has a few losses like this on his resume, and that was something that you know Auburn was aware of when they hired him. And you got to be able to avoid stuff like this. So, how do you respond if you play a good game this weekend against Alabama, um, win or competitive loss? You recruit really well. You finish with a bowl game that you really needed. Okay, it's going to be embarrassing, but you know, I'm not going to say all is going to be forgiven, but. You know you're, you'll feel all right moving forward. And, you know it's just it's just a really big blow. But if you don't play well this weekend against Alabama and you kind of limp into the off season, people are just going to think about this for a while. So I don't think in the big picture it's going to have a ton of impact. Um, could it be something that motivates them in the future? Sure, absolutely. Um, people want to point out the Nick Saban lost to ULM in his first year. Or Kirby Smart lost to Vanderbilt at Georgia in his first year. And I see the comparisons, and I get the comparisons. But you also got to keep in mind, those were close games. Auburn just got flat out beat by three touchdowns to New Mexico State. And so how they respond to it, I mean, they show it shows that they have not arrived. They haven't come close to arriving yet. Uh, and they've got a lot of work to do to kind of move forward because good football teams and good football programs just don't lose games like like. This one in the fashion that Auburn did, so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to build from there. I mean, it could be a defining moment. It could be a, a, a you know, thing. I I think it'll probably end up being just a footnote when it's all said and done. Uh, but that, that hinges on how they respond. When,
1: when when we look forward to the Iron Bowl, Ferg. Uh, there's obviously a lot of matchups to keep in mind. This Alabama team has been steadily improving throughout the year, but I know that Hugh Freeze was talking a little bit about offensive game plan on tiger talk last night how would you go about uh trying to formulate the game plan for auburn coming off the heels of such a rough week but also knowing there was improvement before that what's what's the best way of trying to attack alabama
4: yeah i I think the best way to attack alabama is just be balanced you can't be one-dimensional this is a defense that's got a great defensive front and a great secondary um they play pretty clean football um you know they have not gotten kind of torn up outside. Of, you of know, The LSU moved the ball, but LSU is doing that against everybody this year. That's a really good Alabama defense. And so for Auburn, I looked at a lot of scrimmage, and I wrote about it today at the, at the Observer. Like, this is a team that's going to have to be able to protect Peyton Thorne and create opportunities in the running game. And if you look back at the history of the Iron Bowl, especially in the last 20 years or so, when Auburn's been competitive, when they've won or had close calls with Alabama injured in Hare Stadium. Starts at the line of scrimmage. You got to hold your own against Alabama. You know you can come in and want to throw the ball around the yard, and you want to be able to, you know, quick strike all that kind of stuff. I agree with with some of that, but I just look at the core of this game is just this is going to be what are you made of at the line of scrimmage? Are are you going to respond? Are you going to bounce back? Are you going to play better football uh, like you think you're capable of playing? And just swing with a team in the trenches and not get overwhelmed. Um, and I think Auburn. You know, back up a month or so ago, they played Georgia, four-quarter game down to the wire, and, and Georgia's even better than Alabama. And Georgia's on this dominant run; they're capable of doing it. But I just go back to that game against Georgia. They took advantage of their opportunities on offense. It weren't great uh, overall, uh, but they weren't. They didn't let Georgia just absolutely have a field day on them. And I, so I look back at this this game and I look to what Auburn's done and this season. The point is that they're at their best when they're be able to balance. They can get the pass to set up the run. They can be aggressive early on. They're going to have to do all of those things, but it comes down to line of scrimmage because last week against New Mexico State, they got beat at the line of scrimmage pretty soundly for, for this offensive line. You know the criticism is back. The you know people are people are down on this line uh, after what they saw last week, and you know I don't blame them. Um, this is a it's an opportunity to to show that you weren't the team that you were last week. And if Auburn's going to have any chance to put points up on Alabama, it's going to be a better game. It's going to have to be a better game from this front.
3: Ferg, when you look at Auburn's defense against Alabama's offense, what do you think is the most important matchup uh, between those two units?
4: Yeah, you've got to keep Jalen Melrose uh, contained as much as possible. And, you know, two years ago, here's the thing about, like, Auburn fans packing it in this week for the Iron Bowl and, and just saying, oh, there's no hope. Look at what we did last week. Two years ago, they had a one legged backup quarterback instead of beating Alabama. And and the big reason why is because the defensive front came to work and played really, really well. And Bryce Young, one of the best I've ever seen at managing the pocket and escaping. And and he had some big plays and some big moments in that 2021 Iron Bowl, but Auburn really got after him. Ton of sacks, ton of tackles for loss. Derek Cole had a monster game. Colby Wooden, those guys. Auburn's got to get back to that. And before the New Mexico State game, they had done a really, really good job of getting after the quarterback um, and not letting them get – I mean, they had really made an impact at the line of scrimmage, really dating back to that old Miss game um, where they played pretty well against, against that, that old Miss offensive front. They got to do that again in this one. Um, I'm sure Alabama's going to want to do the quick stuff and the side-to-side stuff that New Mexico State did really, really well. But the key against Milrow is going to be get after him, uh, take advantage of the fact that Alabama's offensive line's been leaky this year. They give up a lot of pressure, a lot of sacks, but you gotta pin your ears back and you gotta keep him in because if he starts getting loose and he escapes and he can he can scramble on you, it, it's gonna be tough. Um so, you know, obviously you gotta play a cleaner game. Auburn was had a ton of misalignments, missed tackles against New Mexico State. Shore all of those things up first and foremost. But again, it goes back to the line of scrimmage. Went up front, uh, and and, you know, really get after like Alabama's figured out some things on offense. That offensive line is still, still pretty leaky this season. So take advantage of that. And for Auburn's defensive front, you saw what happened two years ago last time Alabama came there. That can be the great equalizer in the game. they got to win in the trenches.
1: Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. And, Ferg, let's talk some basketball now. You were up in Brooklyn for what was two really decisive performances from Auburn basketball. How significant was it for the Tigers to look that good, not only win those two games, but look that good doing it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I did thought they showed progress. Um, I don't think either of the teams they've beaten are particularly good. I think Notre Dame's going to have a really long season ahead of them. They say, Bonaventure – they're experienced. They're going to have to. They're going to have to show me a little bit more, especially on offense. You know, to try to make the tournament out of the A-10 this year. But you're away from home, and you looked better. Um, and you did a lot of the stuff that you should have done. Um, I thought defensively, they had two really good games, and that had been a struggle. I mean, they struggled on defense against Southeastern Louisiana. They played two better games against two, I think, more talented opponents uh, in Notre Dame and St. Bon- Bonaventure. Um, and then on top of that. This offense continues just to be really impressive. I know they cooled down in the second half against against the Bonneys. I Some of that was, as Bruce Pearl said, them kind of scaling it back, slowing it down. But you're looking at the team right now, top ten, uh, top ten in the country in assists per game, top five in assist rate. This is the best ball sharing and shooting that we have seen at the start of a of a season for Auburn in in, in, in several years. And you got to go all the way back to. The Final four team um, to you know, last time Auburn got off to this hot of the start scoring, they're shooting the ball exceptionally well early in the year. This is the kind of basketball that Bruce Pearl felt like Auburn was capable of playing. This shoots it's pace and space, it's really good. You know, everybody's getting involved, right? It's, you have two point guards that are distributing really, really well and playmaking well. You've got everybody who touches the floor, a threat to shoot, and also a threat to playmake. It's a really fun offense, and they are continuing to build upon that. And get cleaner with it. So, I think Auburn's problems are still, you know, issues are still more defensive base. You gotta, you know, defend without fouling, do a better job of cleaning up on the boards. Um, but this offense is playing at a really, really high level, and I feel like this defense is continuing to gain confidence. It's, that's huge. And they are in a stretch right here. Play Alabama and M tonight. Look, Alabama and M is thirty-three point dogs for a reason. Like this is a, this is a team that while while deep and while experienced, is not going to be expected to hang with Auburn too much. But you go and go to Brooklyn and you play these two games in Brooklyn. What does that mean? Well, you don't have to worry about Thanksgiving week. These guys are going to get a break at Thanksgiving. They're going to be able to do the Thanksgiving stuff, and then still have plenty of time because they don't play again until what next Wednesday night against Virginia Tech. That's huge. That is really big for Auburn. So it's a great opportunity. Continue to tune up, play in front of the home crowd tonight, uh, and then you know get into a little roll here next week because um, on paper they could be the better team and. Pretty much all their matchups uh, until they get to you know the start of SEC play, and there's potential for this team to get on a roll. They're continuing to grow, uh, and I do think after watching them in Brooklyn, they they got a lot. They, they got better. They got better over those last two games. I again, I don't think the two teams they beat are very good, uh, but they definitely got better, and that's that's what they wanted to get at.
3: Ferg, what do you think the ceiling is for this Auburn basketball team?
4: You know, I think this is a team that uh, if it plays at a, at a high level can contend this year in the SEC I, I, I hesitate to say that they could you know, win the league title I wouldn't they, they would have to really you know overachieve I think but I really like the way this offense is playing right now I think they've got an offense that can hang with anybody and I think their defense is going to get better and, and and contribute a little bit more as the season goes on the depth is there the balance is there um, the pace is there um, they're going to be able to do a lot of things really really well and I I think Coming into the season, I thought, hey, successful year. I also think this is a successful year for Auburn, period, uh, every year. If you go in and get top four in the SEC, that's a double-buy in the SEC basketball tournament, and that's usually a really good seed in the NCAA tournament and a good chance to get it. You, you do that, get into the second weekend of the tournament, um, That's those are, those are great, successful seasons, and I think that is kind of the, the benchmark that Auburn can strive to year in and year out and say, hey, if we can do that, that's a great year. From what I've seen the first two weeks of the season, this team is capable of doing that. Um, It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be some tough times, obviously, but I really like where the offense is. The ceiling's very high for that offense, and I think this defense is going to continue to get better as the season goes on because that's just Bruce Pearl's MO. So, um, you know, I think this is a really good team. They don't have NBA draft talent uh, right off the bat like they did two years ago, um, but they're deep, they're talented, they've run a really good system well, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. I don't think Auburn's going to be totally overmatching anybody they face this year, and that's a really good sign.
1: Ferg, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food and what's the most overrated?
4: Um, so, I know there's like this like really weird take, well, not a weird take, but a popular take of like, you know, hey, turkey's overrated, turkey sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> I think it can be if you don't do it right. Yeah, you can get a basic roasted turkey and it's not going to be great. Um, there's two different ways. I think a smoked turkey is awesome, um, yes. and I think more and more, more people can mm-hmm. do that. What my family does, and they've done it my entire life, and if you follow me on Twitter or read me over the years, you, you may know where I'm going with this. My family has always done it where they take turkey meat, basically turkey breast meat, and they kind of make, like, turkey fingers out of them, like chicken fingers. So you season them up, fry them up, deep fry them, all that. That's a great way to do turkey. If you don't love turkey, like, cook it a better way. And so... <laughs> I'm the fried turkey fingers are like, that's my, you know, they only come out at Thanksgiving in my family and that's the way to go go about it. So that's, that is my favorite, most overrated. Um, look, this is going to, this is going to get people upset at me. Probably. I don't like dressing that much. I just, I'll eat it. But like, it is one of those things where it's like, Oh, you've got to be, you've got to have this. This is the thing to do. And it's like, I can do without it. There's plenty of other, sides and stuff like that are so like starch heavy that i'll be like i'm fine with that i don't need i don't need any more of it but i'm i've just never been a big dressing person just cook your turkey better you don't need dressing go for it like that's that's my advice on thanksgiving uh,
2: what are your thoughts on green bean casserole because uh big game boomer did the listing of the favorite (laughs) foods for every single college and for auburn it's green bean casserole
4: yeah i don't know where you got that from
2: i'm not either (laughs) down here
4: and that's more of a midwestern northern thing i think um, I love green beans. Yeah. Just cook, just cook some good green beans. You know, <laughs> you know, cook, cook them. Cook, put a little bacon in there. Put a little, put a little fat. You know, I mean, I, you know, they're good on their own. Not yeah. the casserole. We can, we can do without that. There
1: we go. V- very much agree with that. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Golf. Ferg, as always, we appreciate the time. What can our listeners find on the Auburn Observer this week?
4: Yeah, you can check out my big, um, you know, story on the Iron Bowl and the line of scrimmage battle. Uh, that I talked about earlier. Can you check that out today? Yesterday did a story on why Auburn's offense is off to such a hot start in basketball. Uh, I'll be at the game tonight. We'll have observations from Auburn, Alabama A&M up tomorrow morning. We'll preview the Iron Bowl in our podcast uh, later this week. Um, 13 for 13 series comes back this week. Got a different take, a different look at the 2013 Iron Bowl um, that I think people will enjoy. Mailbag on Friday preview and everything that goes on this weekend. And then we'll have plenty of coverage from – you know, the, the newsletter to the podcast um, from whatever happens in the Iron Bowl and Jordan-Hare because, you know, no matter what happens, I feel like anything anything can happen when this game is in this place. So and it should be pretty fun this weekend. And then, obviously, we'll roll right into the postseason in, fo- in football and the heart of the season in basketball. It's a great time to sign up. AuburnObserver.com, $6 hours a month or $60 a year. Get you access to everything we've got going on. Subscribe today
1: he's justin ferguson of the auburn observer today on sports call again ferg we appreciate the time we hope you have a very happy thanksgiving and we look forward to talking again soon absolutely thank you that is justin ferguson joining us today on sports call we've got two or three minutes left of the hour so we'll keep it right here uh yeah i I, we did the food discussion um (laughs) on the on the pre-recorded podcast last night on the pre-recorded show it's going to air tomorrow. But you guys obviously were not on it, so I give you guys sixty seconds right now. Uh, favorite Thanksgiving Day food? Most overrated? Same question that I gave to him.
2: Um, all right. Well, so now I <clears throat> excuse me on the meat side of things, I'm more ham than I am turkey. So there's that. Now when it comes to sides, uh, my mom's macaroni and cheese. That's just I, you know ham and macaroni and cheese on thanksgiving i would be perfectly fine with just that on my plate and i would be in heaven <laughs> uh, overrated i i also have to go um with ferg with like stuffing dressing however you want to call it just don't like it um i don't know i just i i don't see the point in it um <laughs> yeah not not my thing
3: i uh i like Ferg, I think that turkey is only bad if you don't do it right. Uh, I like turkey in most of its forms, but I agree with him that smoked is probably the best way to do it. Um, and I, I haven't ever tried the deep-fried turkey. That sounds really good, though. I'm going to have to yeah. see if I can petition that this year. Um, I'm also a big fan of mashed potatoes. I just love mashed potatoes. Sure. Um, um, most overrated. So I, we've talked about on the show how picky of an eater I am, so there's a lot of Thanksgiving stuff that I won't eat. Um... <laughs> i'll go with like a casserole or something i don't know it's not something i ever touch yeah so i don't know it's pretty common and i just don't ever take part in it so that's me
1: i could overthink and say well just because i personally don't like that food does that therefore make it overrated right or right because i I don't know where to go that's my daily struggle uh the the funny (laughs) thing is so four or five years ago i did not eat stuffing slash dressing and now i really enjoy it actually uh a late bloomer there taste buds change over time i guess uh I, I like just about everything the parents do. The, I will tell you this they do sometimes uh, like a sometimes for like an appetizer or something beforehand because again, we eat at like three, four, five o'clock. You know, it's not really lunch, it's not really dinner usually. Sometimes they do deviled eggs and sometimes they do that with with either Thanksgiving or Christmas one of the two. That's a note that's always gonna be a note for me because I tell you what it impacts me and Morgens is not eating it because it smells. (laughs) So that's still it. You can have whatever food you want to have that tastes however it tastes to you and I don't have to be a part of it. (laughs) However, I do have to be drug into deviled eggs because of the potent smell so that's that's going to be overrated again that's not something that a lot of people do or necessarily in the meal itself and they don't necessarily do it in the meal usually it's like a it's a pre-game for the for the main event or something but that's always a no for me and they know that i know my parents are laughing their head off right now just because uh, that's my that's my take every single year when i'm around them we are out of time for hour number one stay tuned though in hour number two we will continue to talk some Iron Bowl. We'll talk some Auburn basketball as they get set for a game against Alabama A&M tonight. We'll also take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334 887 3401 We'll no clear toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call returns after this timeout.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the Plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the FM. And the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dantry with you here on this Tuesday. And we start off our number two by going to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free. one 9 tiger 9 Leaning off our number two, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today?
5: I'm honored, gentlemen. I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for trying to let me uh, be on the show again after yesterday's... Uh I guess, uh, what, uh, tirade, uh, rambling, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm a little bit more calmer, today. You know, while I make some comments, I've listened to some of the podcasts, uh, you guys, uh, from last night, uh, from yesterday, and uh, uh, Tom? Yes. I I, I really uh, appreciated the uh, you were right on the mark about defining moments, and, Brent, I know you have some defining moments, so you, Ryan. The defining moment that I thought uh, in the game was, and I, I probably said it yesterday was when Nehemiah uh, Pritchett had made the interception of course he got called back uh, and then he was slammed to the ground by their quarterback I thought okay now this is going to get the team really really you know focused and, and wake them up and they didn't do it that to me was a defining moment if they couldn't get energized at that moment to see one of their team members team members be slammed uh, uh, like that to, to the ground then uh I don't know what's going to do it. Your thoughts, guys, about my observation about that play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that that would definitely light a fire into them too. Uh, and it clearly did not, especially being the quarterback. I mean, you, you, you feel like you can do something about that uh, later on, and, and they certainly did not. So, I mean, they, they, uh, they, it was pretty a, a, a comprehensive sleepwalk.
5: And uh, I also remember, I, I don't know if he was Ryan, or, uh, but uh, I, I was shouting uh, my lungs out. They, they can't hear me. I don't have that uh, psychic ability to, to, to shout to them through the TV screen. But, again, I agree with you guys. What? And I've, I don't get paid $5 million. There will be to be a coach uh, anywhere, but why would you turn down a holding call which would make it 2nd 17? Why?
3: Because you think you, you can get a stop asking. on 3rd and seven.
5: But we weren't doing it the whole damn game. We weren't stopping them on on third down. Oh, why would you not at least take ten more yards and make it a little bit more difficult for them?
3: Because you thought you thought you could get the stop on third and seven. Well, why would you think that, uh, Brent? I don't know. It's a good question that we can't I mean, answer.
5: Why is no one asked? Why is no one asked that question
3: of Hugh Freeze?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, it was a bad decision. It clearly ended up being a bad decision, but. I, I would struggle to find the good ones in that yeah. game. I mean, it it was not one thing that led to the downfall. I mean, it was it was everything. But sure, I mean that that did not work out. Uh, I I the the cynic in me, which does not come out often, would say the way that Auburn played, they were going to give up second and seventeen in that sequence anyway. They might give up seven, right. give up right. seven or eight on second down, seven or eight on third down, and and you give it up. So. Uh, uh, obviously, it did not work out in that situation, but uh, it didn't work out in just about any situation.
5: And third question, that if I'd have been there, I'd ask you, but no one asked him. how come you weren't prepared at all for a possible fake punt?
3: Well, actually, someone did ask that question. Someone, some, someone, said, uh, someone asked about the fake punt. It was at the beginning of the fourth quarter, coming out of the third quarter break. Someone asked, did you guys discuss a fake punt? Hugh freeze gave the shortest answer he's ever given <laughs> yep. He just yep yep and then yeah, yeah, took the yeah, next I question that,
5: but that really what an explanation is why you didn't do anything about it
3: well I mean yeah, it's, I, I, it's, I think I, I, I think it's a very clear act I think it's a very clear answer in that yeah they said they said something they told the kids to do something and then the kids didn't do it
1: yeah that, that's the that's the politer way of of not trying to to bury the uh, bury that that situation under the bus, or whoever did not make the play they needed to, not putting them under the bus.
5: Okay, all right. So moving on, guys, about the upcoming game. Now, um, I've already uh, I've heard your comments. I've heard Ferguson's comments too about balance, you know, and you know, But something I didn't hear from you guys, and I want to throw it at you again. I haven't coached a game in my life, and never will. Uh, I would, I would suggest. Okay, Uh, as crazy as it sounds, to do, like you said, Tom, do the craziest damn things you can think of, okay? Catch them by surprise. How about this one? Because uh, two coaches have done this to us. One is the infamous Mr. Uh, 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 Lane Kiffin. He loves to go on fourth downs, and it was done to us, uh, uh, I think it was the last game, uh, as uh, the head coach, Steve Furrier, when he. uh, well, was coaching South Carolina. Do you remember that game in which he kept going for it on fourth down almost every time?
1: Yeah, it was 20, yeah. 2014. They, they got several of them. Uh, fortunately, Auburn still still hold on, I think, 42-35 or something like that in that game.
5: So my proposal, guys, is this. Why not go for it on fourth down if it's fourth down in between one to five yards and it's either on our 40-yard line or into their territory? What about that?
3: Auburn well, has done that a couple yeah. of times this year. It just I hasn't mean, been very it, successful. I mean,
5: do it. Just do it every damn time what? in the Iron Bowl. You're not going for it
3: on fourth down every damn time yeah. in the Iron Bowl. That's that, not going to happen. Yeah, they,
5: no, no, I'm saying, no, if you're at the 40-yard line of ours or on their side. Auburn has
3: p- done that this year.
5: Which game? Remind
3: me, please. Auburn has done that frequently this mm-hmm. year. Whenever they get in that situation, they usually do go for it if they're not in field goal they, range. I
1: remember there was a fourth and one against Ole Miss. They didn't get. They they ran up the middle. It was like their
3: own 40, 44, 45 yeah. yard line.
5: Consistently, though, not just occasionally.
2: Well, yeah, but name, but, name a yeah. game where they've had the consistent opportunity to and do the, it. And that's what I'm. That's what I was about to say. You can't do if your offense is struggling to move the ball. The last thing you want to do is is find yourself in that and try to do it. On a fourth down, when you're already struggling to try to get anything going. Yeah, I know there was another yeah. one
1: against Georgia they didn't yeah. get in the red zone too. Yeah,
2: You have to be able to consistently oh, yeah. show that, you can, that you're moving the ball and that you feel confident that you can get those yards on fourth down because you have been doing that throughout the game. Like you have something working, whether it be a particular zone read type play or whether it be something that you know has been working and you feel – damn confident that you can get those four yards without there being a whole heck of a lot of problem, then you go for it. If it's like Auburn's normal offense, you're taking a huge risk in trying to do that. When you're already struggling to just pick up one or two yards, you sure as hell don't have the confidence you can pick up four when it means the matter of staying on the field or turning the ball over.
5: Okay, fair enough, guys. Your point. I'm coming from your perspective. Uh, This game is not, not going to be one by us more likely okay highly unlikely now having said that I'm saying if you you know go forward on fourth down um, within reason say fourth down and one, one, one fourth down and five on your, our 40 yard line or on theirs then maybe you're showing to your recruits okay uh, they're going to be the game we're not playing afraid
1: yeah look I, I'm a pretty aggressive by nature and, and I like going it on fourth down and I, I, but, but I can't give you a blanket statement coming in the game that you just should automatically do it. I mean, you do have to know the situation, uh, and I know that you're talking about being at least past the, the own Auburn 40. So, again, that yeah, that's normally the range where you think about it, but if it's at your own 43, it better be like fourth and one, and it better be a, a situation that makes sense. I think the problem for Auburn is that, again, we I can't recall every single one, but the, the first couple that came to mind are fourth downs they did not get, and they have not gotten them because they have not run well in short yarded situations when it's obvious that they're going to run and and that's not going to all of a sudden fix itself just by playing uh, Alabama because they're they're going to stop fourth and short if you're going to run right up the middle so uh, you're talking about an offense that has struggled in, in numerous areas and fourth down is no exception there so again I, I'm not opposed to the thought of going for a fourth down from time to time again I, I generally like that but uh, say it's a tie game in the second quarter and it's fourth and two at your own 43. I don't know if that's the time. Uh, whereas, you know, you, you later in the game you might consider if you're down a score, you, you certainly would would be more, more apt to do that. I, I just think that I, I can't give you a blanket statement They should just do it to do it.
5: Okay. I guess I'm in the you know, I don't care. Just play it dangerously, you know. Uh, Speaking of that, guys, what would you call a good game for us? Uh, upcoming Saturday did we lose by the point spread or within the point spread less than the point spread or what
3: I, I lose lose by no more than two possessions yeah. I, I'm not sure what the spread is at right now I think it was at fifth, 14 and a half 14 yeah. and a half okay yeah, I'd say yeah keep it within that and I'd say that you exceeded expectations yeah I mean look you know obvi- I wouldn't have said that a week ago but right. right now
1: yeah I mean I obviously you want to get to the point where when I mean period anything less is is, is poor but it, that's not the reality this team is in this week uh i think that it needs to be close uh for it to be still labeled good i think it needs to be something that in the fourth quarter the the result is still in doubt if that lands on a 10 or 14 point game then fine uh but but yeah it's it it is is definitely not won't feel good to lose period but certainly if you start getting up by more than more than 10 13 points then then yeah it's not good
5: okay and guys I never would have even considered this, but uh, one one of the bloggers on 247 Sports uh, entitled said, this is the year, so I said, well, let me see what it says, and here's what they brought up. 83 Iron Bowl, we won 23-20. 93 Iron Bowl, Auburn won 22-14. 2003 Iron Bowl, Auburn won 28-23, and of course 2013, Iron Bowl won 34-28. So is this the year, guys, 10 years later, really?
1: Yeah, I mean I again that that's a that's a nice uh line of, of history there on the on the 3s but uh, it, it does not mean that all of a sudden it's just going to be they're
5: all 10 years apart too. Right
1: right. Well, I, again on the 3s 83 93 03 yeah. Uh so I I just I I don't think that that really means anything for Saturday. I'm, I mean again it's 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 a nice little little streak there, but yeah, I don't think that means anything. I know.
5: Anything. I just thought it was oddity coincidental. Alright, final question, guys, and I really, really want your uh, deep thoughts on this one. Uh, I've, I've wondered, you know, of course, if you're an Auburn fan, most people either have a relative fan or a lieutenant to Auburn, graduate in Auburn, uh, and this is a rivalry that matters a lot. A, a lot. However, we've gotten uh, a great number of people on our roster right now who are not from the state move from outward, all these duco transfers from, from other people, our quarterback. And so my question is this, guys, how meaningful is this game? Do they even grasp what it means to live in the state and have to lose to the other side and not to want to have to do that? Because they haven't – they're not residents state. They haven't uh, – and many of them – I've seen some of the comments say about the game. Uh, they, they, they weren't even around – uh, in the 2013 game, they just know about Cam Newton. Uh, many people have maybe maybe they watched uh, some of the Iron Bowls, but they don't experience it the way, you know, we do. They live in the States. So I'm just wondering what is going to be their motivation, their effort uh, to make this game meaningful for them and probably maybe even into the future Iron Bowls when so many of maybe uh, our, our people come from the portals, uh, from people that don't. Don't grasp what it means to live in this state and to lose to the other side. Steve, well, your thoughts, guys? Steve
1: I promise you that that playing for Auburn University, no matter where you're from, yeah. you understand. The the second you walk on campus, the minute you play for Auburn, you understand. Uh, and you, you you they may not have had the, the been the twelve year old getting ribbed by your buddies after a loss. It, it doesn't take that to to understand this rivalry and. Uh, anyone that even steps on the field Saturday, uh, even if they're true freshmen from Timbuktu, the second they're on that field, they'll understand. Uh, they, I, they all and, understand.
2: And the thing is, I mean, they, no matter whether you're playing sports or not, you know, if you come to Auburn, that you automatically know about the Iron Bowl and you know that. But then the other thing is these players, I don't care where they come from, when they come to Auburn – they still have friends and buddies and everything that are on Alabama as guys that they either played high school ball with or against or went camps with. And I mean, the, these guys that go to all these schools, they all know each other because they have been in that camp scene and the seven on seven scene. They know each other. So while there may not be the ribbing as a, as a young kid, like you get in state, they're going to get ribbed by their cohorts across the way. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, there, there's no not understanding the Iron Bowl. I, I don't care where you come from. If you come to Auburn or if you go to Alabama, you immediately know about the Iron Bowl, and there's there's no trying to figure it out. You, you just know, and, I mean, that's part of it.
3: I, I would also argue that for a long time now, most of Auburn's roster has not come from the state of Alabama. It's been mostly Georgia and Florida kids. Yes, you get a lot of Alabama kids, but uh, that's maybe a third of your roster. It's not most of it. Auburn's been recruiting okay. from out of state for a long time.
5: All right. Um, thank you for your comments, your observations. Uh, I guess I was coming from, you know, in previous Iron Bowls, you'll read after the game, you know, that uh, a great number of the players said they played with each other uh, in high school, you know, and, and they, they, they usually played alongside or they played against each other in high school games, you know, in Alabama. And so uh, I, I, I guess I thought, well, it probably means more to those people uh, to, to win this game or, and not to lose it because they actually – know each other they've played with each
2: other and that's where i was coming from yeah well and and so the big thing where that talking point comes is is the 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 talk about the rivalry and like how vicious and and the vitriol and everything that goes into this and that where that comes in is like that's the fans Like the players right. like each other the the players the because players have the players themselves have full respect for each other they know each other they played with each other they're friends now there's going to be the ribbing Back and forth, and there's probably bets the the former guys in the NFL. If Auburn wins, undoubtedly there's going to be some Auburn Auburn guy in the NFL is going to have to wear some Alabama gear, or vice versa. There's the ribbing there on that side, but the vitriol and the hatred, and just the pure, just guttural things about this rivalry comes from the fan side of it, not the players.
5: Okay, well, uh, thanks for putting my mind on these. because I thought, well, you know. Maybe it doesn't mean that much to people who live outside the state as it does to those of us, or to, to the players who know each other and played each other. Okay, well, I'm hoping that yours is uh, the the correct insight. All right, about tonight's game, tonight uh, game, game, guys. Uh, I heard just Ferguson's comments. I uh, feels like, and they sound encouraging that he thinks uh, we've improved. But then I saw the line. He mentioned his home, uh, is a And M really that bad? Three three points bad.
1: I mean, they are bad. Uh, and I think that the argument for that would be, okay, Auburn beat teams by 20 that are still better than Alabama A&M, and, and they did that on a neutral floor. I mean, that that would be the argument for it. I don't personally see Auburn covering it. I think they'll get close. I think they win by about 25 or so, 27. But uh, I, I think that you can still come up with a scenario where it, it would make sense because, I mean, Alabama A&M is – still towards the the very bottom of, of of college basketball uh in Auburn's looking like a top 30 or so team maybe even top 25 team so uh, i i can see it i i would not take the cover but but yeah i can i can see how that would be forming. see we got to get to another caller here in just a second so one more thing for us
5: Okay, final. I uh, saw the women's basketball team lost last night. Was that considered to be a bad loss?
1: Yes. Uh, not not a particularly good one, no. Uh, I mean, UCF's fine. They're Big 12 now. I mean, it's a Power 5 loss, but the Auburns continue to not score, uh, and they did not score when they lost to the Cal uh, at home, and so there are no, no evident signs of progress right now.
5: Okay, sorry to hear that. All right, guys, with that said, my time is way, way up, so I know there will be no show tomorrow, so I'm going to wish you all a very – restful and hopefully enjoyable thanksgiving with all your family and friends and and uh guys Uh, i also want to wish a a happy and and restful thanksgiving to all the listeners and callers so with that said war eagle guys talk to you on friday
1: yes sir war eagle see appreciate the phone call that is retired ward m steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line let's stay on the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334 887 340. or toll free 1 9 Tiger 9. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today?
6: Good. And you guys?
1: Doing well. I'm great.
6: You know, Steve talked about that uh, second and 17. Uh, what was it third and 17? No, second.
1: Second and 17. It yeah, became yeah, third and 17. Second,
6: seven, second yeah. and 17. You know, um, I think third and seven was the way to go. Because you think about it now, if you would have went with that second and 17, well, you're going to give them two more opportunities to get a first down and keep the chains moving. And they was already moving the ball pretty good. So, you uh, was hoping, well, go, if we can go with third and seven, we can mess around and force them to, uh, you know, to not be able to get the yardage uh, they need for the first down, put them in a punting situation. We can get the ball back, get the defense off the field, and hopefully we can get something going. And, I mean, it didn't work, but, I mean, you know, I – I can see that was the way to go because uh, why are we giving anybody any more uh, opportunity to uh, keep the chain moving? And he's already eaten up all the clock and, 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 and had a really good running game, ran, ran really well. Um, the blocking there, the holes they open up, I mean, you know, my grandmother probably could have ran through some of those holes. So I, I can see that. And, and, I mean, you know, I, Steve wants to uh, go ahead and go for it on fourth down no matter what the field position. I mean, you can't do that. How long are you going to be coaching uh, – uh, how long are you going to have a job coaching anybody if you do that? I mean, you think about it. If you've got a, a team that can move the ball and, and get in that end zone like they did and you're going to be doing something foolish like that, then, I mean, you're going to go ahead and it's really embarrassing. You're talking uh, maybe having a 80-point score on you or something whatnot. I mean, that ain't no strategy. You're not giving your kids or yourself any inner chance to win if you go by the strategy which Steve wanted to do. I mean, you know, I don't know how he come up with that, but, you know, but uh, I just thought that just kind of crazy. But, you know, y'all said that uh, point spread and if you could get somewhere close or don't get this or that, that you know, that would be a good – the only good thing would be is win the game. You know, that, that kind of stuff there is not going to help anybody. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how long y'all been following the Iron Bowl or how old y'all may be or whatnot, but I can tell you in 1984, Auburn coming off that 83 season where they should have won a national title, and they opened up with a kickoff classic with Miami, and they played Texas the second game. That season fell short, but they still had a good season. And that was a very talented team. You had uh, Bo Jackson at the, one of the Brent Fulwood, uh, Tommy Age in that backfield. Uh, that offensive line had big old Steve Wallace, was all American that went on out and played for the Forty ers for several years and got a big old uh, uh, World Championship NFL ring on his finger, Super Bowl ring, if you will. And uh, as far as the defensive standpoint. Uh, they had uh, – oh, it was loaded. Uh, ben Thomas is, is at some capacity now with the team, uh, some kind of support staff or whatnot. I don't know if you all ever heard of Ben, ben Thomas, but uh, he's a big old nasty defensive tackle. And, uh, you know, you had other people on that team, uh, Gerald Robertson and Williams. Uh, one of those – let's see, Williams was out of Valley High School. Uh, he went to the NFL and had a, a nice time there. And, and Robinson out of Notre was playing behind Williams, and they were, both of them were all conference and up and being all Americans at some point and had good NFL careers, a great car, or all-American linebacker, just to name a few. And that team was more talented than that Alabama team. Alabama was struggling. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Alabama barely, either barely became bowl eligible or didn't go bowling at all in 84. I can't remember as far as that. I think they might have went to the Sun Bowls. They went anywhere. But was uh, coming in the game, all beat up, uh, hoping to win, to try to get in a bowl, uh, or savage the season or whatnot. And, uh, managed to beat the Auburn team that year. Uh I think they stopped Bo wait a minute. Fullwood, uh hold on. Boat went the wrong way, that's right. And they gave the ball to Fullwood. And Fullwood was stopped uh, short of the goal line and didn't get in at the at, at the very end there. Yep. So uh and that team ended up winning. So the Iron Bowl like this, you know ne- when you get an Iron Bowl you never know what may happen. Even though Auburn got embarrassed last weekend and looked something like a junior college, if you wanna call it that or or something worse. Uh, some ten times worse than the Mississippi State or Vanderbilt, if you want to go that route, consider an opponent they played. I wouldn't uh, just uh, say, well, Auburn ain't got no shot, even though Alabama might be this and might be that. But those iron bowls sometimes don't turn out the way you like. I mean, to be honest with you, I've seen several that didn't go the way I thought they should have went when Alabama was much more talented, had everything going for them in some cases, or uh, even might have had uh, opportunity to get in the national championship pitcher or what or opportunity to go to Atlanta, or whatever it was supposed to be in that particular year, or some big high-octane bowl game was on the line, as long as they went ahead and took care of business, and things didn't work out. Ended up getting beaten by an Auburn team that had no business winning the game, but that's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we certainly understand what's possible in this game. I think we just got to look at the reality of who the better team is, and that's Alabama, and, and Auburn was at least playing better football until last week, and now it played its absolute worst game of the year. I mean, it's it's very poor timing for that, but, I mean, no, we, we certainly understand. I mean, there, uh, to say the sentence that a Brian Harson team uh, should have won the Iron Bowl tells us right there how – how much can happen in this rivalry and certainly uh the the home team gets a huge boost for it so we certainly understand the the potential nature of it but again i mean the the line's 14 and a half for a reason i mean alabama comes into this as decidedly the better team
6: but the line is not going to play the game and people that make predictions and sportscasters and people got opinions are not going to play the game the players going to play the game you never know you know you may have a guy that Supposed to be all American, supposed to be all this and that. Well, maybe he don't want to play 85% or 100%. Maybe he want to play 65 that day. And maybe the player that ain't supposed to be playing uh, 85, maybe he's supposed to be at 65, but maybe he got his mind made up and he's just going to be 85 all all game. And, and the players around him are going to do the same thing and just won't quit and just see what happens. I mean, you just never know. I mean, you know, you never can tell. A person might have some personal issues going into this game that might be looking to be the bell cow, but those personal issues on his mind, and he can't focus and can't concentrate. Or he might eat something at the training table that, that might uh, give him upset stomach. Who knows? You just never know.
1: I, you I know, mean, I'm you're not, you're covering uh, all the bases, man. I, I just I don't know, man.
6: Yeah. I mean, you just never know. Maybe uh, a freeze might cook up some uh strategy-wise that, that might irritate Alabama that they can't adjust to. You, if so-and-so might be down at the goal line. I remember one game. You remember 2010, Yes. When the Ingram uh, was running. Yes. And I think he, he – uh, did he run in the end zone, but he fumbled the ball just before he stepped in?
1: Well, no, he he fumbled and it, it rolled up the sideline okay. for about 15 not, yards, okay. yeah. Antoine, okay, Antoine Carter like came up from behind him and yep. knocked it out.
6: Okay. But had he not fumbled, he clearly would have went in the end zone and scored a touchdown, right?
1: Right. You know, he fumbled well before
3: it just yeah. it just kept I mean, going. he
6: not fumbled, he was on the hit, broke loose, and was on the way. You could right. Clearly
3: see yeah, that. he, he got he chased fumbled, down and – like right. Tom said, yeah. someone caught him from behind, forced the fumble, and the ball rolled in, rolled through the end zone. Yep.
6: Okay, plays like that make a difference. I mean, you know, uh, Coach Bryan and everybody else said, if Pat died too, in a game like that, there's always going to be four plays that are going to make the difference. But you never know when those four plays may, may show up. So you never know. I mean, you, you just you just never know. Yep. You could be down and go on the one-yard line and turn around and hand it to a fullback if you put one in, or either quarterback might sneak, but yet – just before he crosses the line, he, he drops the ball. Oh. Or Nin- he's just having a snap or whatnot.
2: 1997, Nineteen ninety seven. Alabama's running the clock out. All they got to do is run the clock out, and they decided to throw a little swing pass to Ed Sissom, and Auburn right. hits him. He fumbles it. Auburn recovers. A couple plays later, they kick a game-winning field goal.
6: Right, and that guy, uh, Bruce Aarons, fired as offensive coordinator. And of course, we know he went on to the NFL and, and won Super Bowl goals, so things worked out for him. But, you know, if you think about it, he should have known better. He never should have did anything like that. Sure. Yeah. but Things you know, happen. But it, it, huh? So things yeah. happen. But we'll see uh, what happens uh, Saturday. I'm going to call you all Friday and whatnot. I'm sure they are going to start showing those Iron Bowls uh, on ESPN or ESPNU or somebody within the next day or two. And we'll get to enjoy those and whatnot. So I wish y'all a happy Thanksgiving. Eat all the turkey and dressing you can eat and cake and pie and everything else and just lay out and just throw up and whatever they do to you. <laughs> but have a good one.
1: <laughs> you too, Anthony. I have a happy Thanksgiving. That was Anthony called from Auburn. Joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. I hope to eat a lot of turkey dressing others, and I, I hope to
3: then not throw up. Ham. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big ham guy. I like ham. Uh, yeah, I I like we, turkey, but I also like we ham.
1: we have ham usually at uh, at Christmas. But uh, no, I am I I was kind of more on the Ferg train of like let's let's just figure out how to cook the turkey. We we can all yeah. we can all do this. It's it's very attainable uh, to have yummy turkey. And uh, but yeah, no way. I I will I'll do everything Anthony said except for throw up. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, but appreciate uh, Ward M. Steve and Anthony for calling in right there in the Orthopedic Clinic phone line as we head to break want to give everyone a special opportunity that's listening right now. We have two Iron Bowl tickets oh. that are available. And we usually say first caller to call in, but we want you to answer a trivia question first. So, okay, we want you to answer this. Not that you don't have to give us the series record, but the first person to call in and tell us how many times Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. You will get two tickets to the Iron Bowl. That's 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. The first person to call in and tell us how many times Auburn has won the Iron Bowl will get two tickets to this Saturday's Iron Bowl inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Again, be the first caller to tell us that right now at 334-887-3401. Sports Call returns after this timeout.
0: We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break.
4: I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoie, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy. And folks, they're still available. I, I know Google works. Okay? <laughs> uh, we don't have to know it by heart. We have two available Iron, uh, Iron Bowl tickets for free. First caller, if you tell us the number of times Auburn has won the Iron Bowl, then you win two tickets to the Iron Bowl. So hopefully we get that situated in just a second. Again, the first caller uh, that knows the answer to that wins two free tickets right. to the Iron Bowl, and so now we're now those phone lines are lighting up. Yeah, I I, I promise you, Tom, it was one of those things where you, you just didn't know if you would be the uh, first caller or not. Got other people calling in, and so yeah, and and so anyway it's you, still available. First person uh, is wrong and needs to uh, needs to, uh, yep. Okay, so we've got two more callers now. So still, first person was wrong. And so we're still going over here. Uh, but yeah, uh, great opportunity. Uh, I would love to go to the Iron Bowl for free. I will spoil it. I am going to the Iron Bowl for free because it's called uh, press. Yeah, uh, it's called media credentials. Uh, but uh, and uh, Tom, I did, I, we didn't talk about it personally. I did hate for you that that game did not work out. I know you and Michelle went yeah. uh, on Saturday. And uh, I hope she's willing to go back after that. I know that was her first one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it could have been better. And I know there will be a lot of people experience the first Iron Bowl. And, and just the, the first time you experience something, you want to be a good one.
2: Well, you know, the thing is, I Michelle, you know, she handles it how she handles it. She's an adult. She, you know, it's whatever. I, seeing all the people posting stuff on Facebook of taking their kid to their first ever Auburn game, it's like, wow, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Your kid's first memory of going to an Auburn game was the worst loss in program history. Great. Yeah. What a way to start your Auburn fandom career.
1: Okay, we got uh... – we still do not have a winner. Uh, one person was wrong. One person was named JJ pranking us. So we're very aware of, of JJ's ex- uh, existence. So again, uh, two Iron Bowl tickets are available. First person to tell us how many times Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Usually we say just first person to call in, but this is the Iron
3: Bowl. Like we, we could we can look at Google. It's it's, we, it's okay. I, I you'll you'll never believe this. We got two callers. Uh-huh. One called in. I answered. It was JJ doing a voice. Uh-huh. Then that voice hung up. Then JJ called back and was like, "I got you, man." Yikes. That was uh that was what just yep. happened on our phone line. <laughs> 334 oh three, and but I saw it light up someone else.
1: 334 887 3401 or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger 9 You know, I know someone out there wants to go. Okay, we're getting a uh, I know someone out there wants to go uh, and you just got to believe in yourself because again no one has called in with the correct answer yet so oh. if you thought it was taking too much time to, to look up the Google machine you're you're now in a better place and uh, it looks like uh, we're now Uh-oh. finally getting a winner so uh, I again that's why you got it and now we got like four calls and uh, now I hate it for those people because I egged on and on and now we got a winner yeah. and now we do and now we're about to have a winner so we do appreciate you listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite. We do this every week that there's a home game, uh, about midweek, usually on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, we give away tickets to the next game. And so uh, we do have a winner now uh, of uh, the Iron Bowl tickets. Uh, and so we do appreciate you listening. And it looks like uh, it's going to be Wayne that uh, that won the two tickets. So appreciate you for listening, Wayne. And, uh, again, uh Pick those up tomorrow or on Friday. Obviously, our office will not be uh, open on Thanksgiving, but uh, yeah, appreciate everyone for uh, playing along. There, uh, we, it took you a second to come out of the shell, I think, <laughs> uh, but it's okay. Uh, and uh, we're excited about the Iron Bowl, uh, even despite the, this past weekend. Should be another electric environment for sure.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We we love uh, we love the ticket giveaways. And honestly, like I was kind of shocked that no one called during that commercial break because normally can, it's like immediate. We, we can usually give away these football tickets pretty easily, but uh, it was. But unfortunately, man, the, uh, else, uh, beat you to it. The, the 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 Iron Bowl tickets just kind of being held onto for a little bit. That's, that's abnormal. It's,
2: it's that's, that's abnormal, a, the, man. That's, that's a, what a,
3: happens when you lose to New Mexico State.
2: Oh, yeah, really. Yeah, I mean that's like an expensive ticket. That normally, yeah, I mean I, I'm surprised it took that long to get get that done but yeah, uh, but, yeah it congrats, has been done. congrats to wayne yeah, congrats yeah. wayne going to the iron
3: bowl yeah uh, anytime tomorrow from nine to three or uh friday from nine to six like i said on the show like i said to him a minute ago um but yeah free iron bowl tickets man if nothing else you can just stand outside the stadium and sell them i mean true i mean <laughs> pretty good pretty pricey ticket man so.
2: That is a pricey ticket. I, I, it it is
3: I, it is for sure.
2: I, I I was surprised to hear that we were actually giving one away. That stunned me. Yeah, we yeah. Do we we don't
3: usually get Iron Bowl tickets, do we? Uh I feel like we have in the past.
1: Uh, it, it's a part of a trade deal, but right. I, I'm pretty sure we have. I mean, we did uh, we did have a giveaway on our social media earlier this week too. Yeah. So we had uh, technically four tickets there, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so. Uh, we uh, certainly did this year, and I appreciate Wayne for, uh, for calling in there, and congrats to him. Uh, for now, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We have Joe on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Joe, how are you today?
7: I'm uh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How y'all doing?
1: Doing well. I'm great.
7: I, you know, I just got a couple of trends I want to bring out by the Auburn this year. You know, they ain't beat a team with a winning record. They only beat teams with a losing record. If y'all noticed that or not. Sure. <laughs> but you know, and they bet on the road than they are at home, so it ain't looking good there. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, I would, uh, I would say so. I mean, again, that, that's that's kind of how a six and six team operates. So I mean, it beats the teams below them, it loses to the teams above them.
7: Yeah, you know, maybe maybe they break the twin and beat a uh, a winning team. And uh, don't give up every pass in the middle of the field on third down. That's been going on all year.
1: Yeah. uh, And Alabama's certainly capable of making those big plays even on third and long.
7: Yeah, that's where all the big plays against Auburn's defense come from, usually in the middle. Break it out long. (laughs) Anyway, that's all I had to say. I appreciate appreciate y'all taking the call.
1: Absolutely, Joe. Appreciate you calling in. That is uh, Joe calling in there on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Appreciate Joe for calling in.
3: Yeah, Joe brings up actually a pretty good point. Anytime that Auburn asks its linebackers to stay in coverage for a little while, usually they're doing it by themselves and they're not having a ton of success. I mean, uh, I can't remember. It was the, the third and 17. The third and goal from the third, 17. The third and yeah. goal from the 17 where, yeah. where Auburn uh, – Asked Larry Knox to cover or Nixon. Larry Nixon, thank you, uh, Larry Nixon, to uh, to cover the running back out of the backfield, and he just got lost. Uh, it's it's a problem with Auburn's linebackers for sure. Yeah, uh,
1: overall for the year, Auburn's third down defense is actually pretty good. I think mm-hmm. we always remember the the bad plays and and that sort of thing, but it was not good against New Mexico State and it does seem like this year they have given up their fair share of, even if the overall the numbers are pretty good, they've given up their fair share of third and longer. And as we, we just said the Joe two, and we said earlier in the show, you know, Alabama this year is way less methodical than, than usual. It feels because they're not necessarily leaning as much on the run game. Uh, and when they do make those plays in the passing game, they are usually long ones. I think Millrose at about 16 or 17 yards of completion. Yeah. Uh, again, that's that's not a lot of short stuff. Uh, that those are chunk plays. So, uh, just because you get to third and nine or ten, say you did get McClellan down for no gain and he did force an incomplete pass, third and nine or ten is not a dead down for Alabama the way it has been for Auburn. Uh, Auburn on third and long on their offenses on the field. That has traditionally been a no uh, this year, and, and to be fair, I mean again, third and nine's not fun for most offenses. But when you don't have the element of surprise, you don't have a lot of accomplished wide receivers. You have offensive line play that's been hit or miss uh, in pass blocking. You've had trouble processing the right read, trouble earlier with play calling in the year, uh, tr- trouble with everything uh, at some point. Yeah, it's going to make sense that you're not exactly great on third and long, and uh, that's something Auburn can't get into, but also it's something their defense should not uh, take lightly either. Uh, and, and you see, sometimes I, I think the most cruel plays in the sport, if you are a defense, are those third and fourth and longs because that third and goal at the 17, that just can't be a touchdown last week. Yeah. Like like at that point, it's 10-7. to 7, and you hold to a field goal, any one big play from your own team, you take a lead. And and I and I understand that New Mexico State would uh, would probably responded well the way they played the entire 60 minutes, but how many times does a team like that start to crumple up the, the minute something goes wrong for them? Right. So you hold to a field goal, you find some sort of momentum offensively, you might change the game. Unfortunately, it just kept going the way it was going, and, and you gave up that big play. Uh, but, but third and goal in 17 can't be allowed. And, and I'll tell you, give you a non-Auburn example. Florida can't give up fourth and 17 with the game on the line. Uh, they, they are bowl eligible. Maybe the narrative around Billy Napier shifts a little bit. You go get a top 10 road victory. And then you go into that Florida State game without their starting quarterback at home at the Swamp. Swamp will start to get kind of swampy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you give up fourth and 17. And so, yeah, the, the, it is certainly memorable and more maddening when you do have those third and long, fourth and long lapses. I, I will I will absolutely agree with Joe there. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll start to wrap up hour number two. A little bit later, we'll get into some Auburn basketball. They're back in action tonight in Neville Arena against Alabama A&M. And again, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. The Tiger Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dontry with you here on this Tuesday. Another five, six minutes left here in the second hour of the show. Obviously getting set for the huge rivalry that is the Iron Bowl coming up on Saturday. There are going to be some games on Friday and the Egg Bowl on Thursday that will Serve as a prelude. Obviously, you got Thanksgiving NFL on Thursday too. Always, uh, it's always been a part of the tradition. There is that NFL on Thursday. There's also Tom. I didn't know if you knew this. We mentioned it briefly in the show that's going to air tomorrow. Did you know there's a NFL game on Friday this year?
2: Oh wow! No, I did not.
1: It's on Amazon Prime. No, I won't be able to watch yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's going to be on uh, around the, the time of our show on Friday. Okay, and it's basically because the Amazon package usually has a Thursday night game and Thanksgiving's sure. Thursday but the networks carry all the, the Thanksgiving games on Thursday and uh, so they, they gave Amazon Prime a kind of uh, a, a redo of sorts and said okay we'll we'll put you we'll give you an NFL game on Thanksgiving week after all but it'll just be on Friday and I'm going to make it clear as you'll hear again tomorrow on our show uh, that I don't really need that and I understand the contracts are the contracts. You got to get them a certain amount of games. But uh, NFL on Friday, the day after, uh, okay. nothing streams more America than football, Black Friday, and on a streaming service. Oh, yeah. uh, so, anyway, uh, so the busy football week. It, it starts very much before just Saturday with all those rivalries again with the NFL on Thursday, the Egg Bowl Thursday, and then several college football games on Friday, and uh, the biggest one on Friday being uh, the Oregon-Oregon State game. And uh, we'll find out all the playoff rankings tonight and where everyone is. I will say this in the few minutes we have about playoff rankings, is that I want to see if they jump Washington over Florida State. Yeah. Uh, because there's two reasons you could justify <laughs> that. One, which I, I don't like this reason, but it's, it's a reason. Some might feel this way. Is Jordan Travis is hurt. What are they now, actually? Okay, I don't think that's fair, but absolutely some people are going to believe that. And then second, you could already argue that what Washington's had to go through the Pac-12, which is a lot of ranked teams and a lot of really quality teams, uh, and some of them on the road, they should already be in the top four anyway. Uh, I don't know if you guys have a strong preference on the two or what you think we'll see tonight, but uh, I mean, the we're still here. We talked about it last week. We are still here. There are still eight teams with one week plus conference championships to go, eight teams that have a real legitimate chance to still play for a national title.
3: Yeah, I personally don't really care if I'm either Florida State or Washington if I'm in the top four because I feel like when you look at Ohio State and Michigan, the loser of that game, if everybody else holds serve, is going to be out. So both of those are going to be in as long as they keep winning their games. Um, now, it, it, it can get a little weird if Michigan loses or if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. Do you keep both of them out? Do you punish Georgia even though they're a one-loss team and they lost to a team that's going into the playoffs? It, it, it gets a little funky if that happens, but if I'm Florida State and Washington, I feel pretty confident that if I win out, I'm in.
1: I, I feel that way, too. Uh. I think that this is just setting up to be the first first year since kind of 2014. I think there was some griping about the Big 12 because they didn't name that conference champion. It was right. TCU Baylor, and it, no one benefited the Big 12 from that. I think this has the real potential to be someone is legitimately and justifiably mad at the end of this mm-hmm. because I could see that situation happening. I, I said this last week, and again, for the four-team playoff, this, I'm not – I don't believe it for the four team, but I believe it just as a general concept. If Alabama beats George in the SEC title game, I think they both should still be playing in a a tournament that they can win a national championship in. Uh, I don't like it's those two schools. (laughs) Uh Not at all. Uh, But I think that's the reality of I don't think that those two teams would have done anything in this year to say, you know what, they don't deserve to play for a title. And I still think the concept of, Oh well, you didn't win your conference, means you can't win a title. So the second team in the country can't come from the same conference. I mean, I, I granted it. I don't think it would be frequent, but I think it can happen. I think it happened quite clearly in the Alabama LSU year of, of 2011. Uh, I think it's happened when Alabama and Georgia played each other in the title game. So I mean, it's unfortunately I hate it's involving those two schools. But this is kind of my again. I get on the pulpit almost once a week during these playoff rankings and say, hey, this is why I want more than four teams because. I think all these teams, most of them even with another loss, still deserve, again, Michigan-Ohio State. Let's use two teams we dislike but more generically speaking. Do you think Michigan-Ohio State should not have the opportunity to play in a playoff of un, undetermined teams just because they lost to one another if it's assuming it's a close loss? In a four-team <sighs> scenario, no, but I'm saying the horizon suggests that that should not be enough to disqualify you from a – a playoff because what proof do we have that you're not better than all but one other team or zero other two other teams?
3: Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's it's obviously a very tough question. And it's why we're expanding to twelve teams, and um, I I'm very interested to know like okay when we go to the twelve teams twelve team playoff, are we still going to have this argument for team number thirteen or when you get to the 12-team playoff, is team number 7 going to be mad that they weren't 6 because they don't get to host the playoff game? Right. Do they feel like they're better than Team 6 or Team 5 or whatever? Do, do we get into those kinds of semantics, and do we see expansion yes. from there? I mean, well, the answer will be yes. Right. We will get Everybody's going to
2: gonna be happy no matter what. Right. If you get to 12, whoever was that 13 and 14, they're going to be like, we should have been 12. Right,
3: right. So it's going to happen, but I do think, it, I do think there is – Legitimate necessity to say we need to expand from four. Sure,
1: no, I I hundred percent agree. The first team out will always say we should have been in, and right. there'll always be that. But you lose some justifiable anger when you have three losses, yeah, or when you lose two games at the very end of the season when you knew it meant a bunch. When you lose one game the entire year, again, that's what we're talking about. When especially right. you lose one team to a really good team, which would be the scenario. Uh, in Georgia and the Ohio State, Michigan losers case is like well, again, I, trust me, I'm not a stand for these teams, but if we're talking about having a national championship, then I don't see why one lost your great team disqualifies you from that when it's in the regular season right. and
2: just or 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 yeah, I mean Alabama Alabama beats Georgia wins the SEC championship and still gets left out. Because of the one loss to Texas, right. way back in September, yeah. and it's like, but then Texas gets, or but you you put Bama sure. above them, and Texas gets let out. They, you uh, then you're them, like, you it's like we beat them head to head.
3: I think I think <laughs> yeah. the something's only something's gonna be ro- mad, man. Yeah. I think the only way everyone can be happy is if Georgia Tech beats Georgia and Auburn beats Alabama. I amen to that. Uh, amen. <laughs> that's that's best case scenario, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's. And
1: certainly not what I'll bet on. <laughs> uh, I think
2: Auburn definitely has a much better chance on taking care of business than Georgia Tech does. Uh, oh, man. So, Rivalry Week is here, and the last
1: week of the regular season is here. And we are also arriving at our end of our break. Coming up in hour number three, we will talk some basketball. Again, we've not gotten to that yet. Auburn didn't have a very successful time of it in Brooklyn, so we'll talk a little Auburn basketball coming up and, of course, take – More of your phone calls. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Third and final hour of
1: Sports call right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.9 FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Normally the Monday crew, so nice we did it twice. Yeah. And uh, Brant will be on the show again with us on Friday. Let's go! And uh, Cam will be here on Friday. And Tom, you'll be...
2: I'll f- be at Fat Daddy's. Fat Daddy's, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, It'll be a busy weekend at Fat Daddy's. Iron Bowl is always... Yes. Friday and Saturday when Auburn's hosting an Iron Bowl is usually crazy
3: busy. This is uh, this is an entire semester of me only being on on Mondays, and then two weeks in a row I'm on three shows. Make up for lost time. Yeah, well, And also, we
1: don't know how much we're going to have you in January. That's true. Uh, because, of course, as uh, many people know, Brant Daughtry is the voice of Smith Station Panther football, basketball, and baseball, and softball. Let's go. And uh, we're in basketball go season Panthers. now. Had the first Smith Station broadcast last Friday. Uh, against Russell County, and going to have several more coming up throughout the month of December and January. We're going to have Beauregard coming on Tiger ninety five point nine basketball starting next week, uh, with their season getting underway. So it is basketball season ish. <laughs> I say ish. We're, we're,
3: we're into it. They're yeah. they're playing games. They're playing games. We're not going to broadcast all of them, but right. they're playing games. We're gonna we're going to pick up in earnest uh, what in January and December. Yes, yeah.
1: And, uh, and again January has a lot of those uh, region tilts so we yep. try to be uh, try to be in a lot of those for sure uh, anyway we continue on with this Tuesday edition of the program and let's talk a little basketball yeah uh, as, uh, okay, excuse Ooh. me. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Did you just like sneeze and yawn at the same time? Is that what that was? Oh, that was just a yawn. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. not about basketball. I actually like college basketball.
1: Man. I know. I, I was about to say, this is not going to be a boring topic. It's yeah, Auburn no. basketball doing fun things. Uh, they did very fun things in Brooklyn. We did talk a little bit about the Notre Dame game on Friday. There was a game Friday night, however, and it looked uh, just as good, pretty much. Auburn and St. Bonaventure. Tigers got out to a big lead. They were able to put together a 20-point lead going in a half. We talked a little bit earlier about the sequence that they had kind of going in a half. I think that was your oh, that best of the weekend, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, was. it was. Huh? Gosh, it uh, was awesome. So, Auburn 77, St. Bonaventure 60, Tigers 3-1, and heading into a tilt with Alabama
2: A&M tonight. Uh, biggest thing I can say about Auburn right now, is shooting the ball lights out, which is what Bruce Pearl – Said was going to happen this year because we have, uh, you know, experience. I say we, uh, Auburn fans and Bruce Pearl have suffered through a couple of teams over the last couple of years that just could not shoot the ball. I mean, brutal, brutal games shooting. I'm hoping that what we're seeing early on is going to be a sign of things to come. Uh, anytime you can hit eight of 24 from three, that's pretty darn good i i'd like to see that even better than that but i mean still you're hitting eight three pointers you're you're doing something pretty good there and you're holding a team to just three of 24 I, you know uh, and that was the same thing notre dame notre dame could not buy a shot in that first game in brooklyn i mean that was that painfully brutal watching those guys shoot uh, st bonaventure didn't fare much better uh, they did do a little better st bonaventure did do a little bit better uh, getting to the basket on them some second chance points and things like that uh, if, if I have to say one big area of where Auburn's going to have to have some massive improvement is going to be on rebounding uh, they can shoot the ball uh, but they've got to get a lot more aggressive on the boards and, and and start limiting some of the second chance points that some of the teams have getting because Notre Dame had some success with that St. Bonaventure had some success with that so it has been a great start to the year so far, but, yeah, I mean, if you kind of want to look at the one thing that it's like, mm, can you you got to improve this, it is on the boards and limiting how many second-chance points some of these teams are getting against them.
3: Yeah, I, I was not able to watch the St. Bonaventure game. I was calling Smith Station basketball at the time, but I, I was made very aware of how <laughs> excellent the finale to the first half was and how Auburn was able to take a 48-28 to lit point lead uh, going into the second half. And anytime you can be leading by 20 at halftime, you got to feel pretty good about yourself. I don't care what sport you're playing. Um, I I will say against Notre Dame, the rebounding thing that Tom was talking about, that was absolutely an issue. I will say that it was an issue for the first half in the second half. They, they showed a clip of Bruce Pearl talking about it, uh, during halftime of, Hey, we've got to get bodies on bodies. We've got to rebound better. Auburn came out and dominated on the boards in the second half. Uh, And I don't have the raw numbers in front of me, but certainly out-rebounded Notre Dame in that that second half by a wide margin. And it it was really impressive to watch the way that Auburn just kind of took both of these teams to the woodshed. Two teams that, no, neither of them is a top 25 team, uh, but they're probably tournament teams. Um, And the way Auburn was just able to go out and dominate was very impressive. Uh, The three-point shooting for Auburn is the best we've seen it in quite some time. Uh, and most of that centers around Aiden Holloway. He was shooting 50% from three right now. Uh, that is insane, uh, unfathomable The to be able to do it through this many games. Obviously, you expect that number to go down as the season continues. But, man, he's obviously a very special talent and what he does best is shoot the three.
1: Yeah, I, I will say again, uh, unfortunately, the St. Bonaventure and Notre Dame are not. Uh, programs right now in good places. Yeah. Uh, they Notre Dame for a long time under Mike Bray was going tournament after tournament, and that recently changed. That's why he was removed uh, after a, a 20 plus year tenure. I, I think both these teams are, are destined uh, for disappointing seasons, but I think that to do this so thoroughly on a neutral four, that's what you were looking for. <laughs> Auburn was was heavily favored in these games. They were favored by 14 and a half against Notre Dame. I think it was nine or nine and a half against St. Bonaventure. And, and you cleared there in both games and you cleared pretty convincingly, uh, especially given the St. Bonaventure game. I mean, it was, I think St. Bonaventure cut it to like 12, and that got the commentators excited because that's about as close as it <laughs> right. had been since midway through the first half. So uh, Auburn did a, a nice job here. And I think that, look, there is some danger in saying, oh, everything defensively is fixed because, well, you know, I mean, St. Bonaventure and Notre Dame, again, are not going to be of the shooting acumen that we're going to see in this league. Alabama's putting up millions of points so far. Uh, Kentucky is putting up a lot of points so far. Tennessee's good, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but clearly for Auburn to have back-to-back performances holding teams around 60 points, I mean – that, that, that to me, is already a sign of improvement no matter who the competition is because even Southeastern Louisiana uh, was looking far more competent than that yeah. offensively. And if you're Auburn, there is something to, oh, this team's shooting poorly from three. We're going to make, make them keep shooting and We're not going to start letting them get a bunch of layups. We're going to keep them outside on the perimeter. And then I also think, too, free throw-wise – because that's something the first couple of games I was very weary of. It, like it, ideally is not a good situation for Southeastern Louisiana to shoot more free throws than Auburn, and, and that has nothing to do with referees. I was, I was there. We saw it. It was, it was not referees. Auburn shot twenty-seven free throws against St. Bonaventure. The Bonnie shot thirteen. Yeah. Okay, that that that's a big discrepancy. That that's a very good thing to know that Auburn could defend without fouling. Now, you want want to talk about percentage? I think it is going to be a concern all year long about Janai Broom's free throw shooting. I I think think it just is. The rest of the team, you take Broom out, was fifteen of sixteen. So that uh, (laughs) definitely passed the test there. But Broom was uh, a rough four of eleven. He shot in the high fifties last year. That is going to be something to monitor throughout this year. Unfortunately, it just is.
2: Uh, but it's checking a lot of boxes for me right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that—that that is. I, I guess another thing. I man, I I'm, I'm sorry. I hate to sound negative. I'm point, There's so many positives. I, I have to at least nitpick and find negative. Um, Be thankful this holiday season. Tom. I, <laughs> geez. I, but it's something I would like to sure. see them improve on. Um, there are so many times watching this this team where they. The vast majority of the game, they look so calm, collected, in control, uh, especially on the offensive side of things. And and that's one of the things we've talked about for years with the Bruce Pearl style. No, a lot of times the way they play on offense is very free and just very, just kind of let them play their game, let them do their thing, you know. And you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's been very over the past few years. It's been very free and just letting these guys play. what i've seen so far is it feels like a lot more controlled uh get the ball down the floor get your get your plays set a lot of ball movement a lot of get to the basket kick it out kick it back around a lot of you know just beautiful type stuff and and it's been working great and then there will be these and this is where i get negative but then there will be these little spans where they just get completely out of control and on both ends of the both ends of the floor and that's where you start thinking like, oh, is this one starting about to get away from you? Because that, they, whoever they're playing, they'll put a bucket or two together. Auburn will come down the floor, and they just get very sloppy with their sets, with their passes. Very some, a couple of times, some very lazy, lazy passes, like against St. Bonaventure. I, I remember there was a couple of times I was screaming at the television because it's like, why, why you make, why make such a lazy pass that just gets easily turned over? or just silly, silly mistakes that you make where you, it just feels like you get so wild and out of control and and Bruce is having to, like, rein them back in. If you can just limit that, and, and I think they have done a good job of limiting it, but I'd like to see that just kind of go away. The, the, don't have these spans of the games where you just completely lose control of what you're doing and it just turns into a, a, a free-for-all. Don't do that because against really good competition – that's where a, a team can really can take control of you if they start putting some baskets on they they can either make a, a your lead disappear very quickly or they start pushing even further ahead in a close game that you're in and all of a sudden things start getting away from you so um, like I said the I mentioned the the rebounding I want to see that improve but you know these times where the game gets away from them and, and that Cool, calm, and controlled thing, and it starts getting a little wild. If, well, they, if they can figure out a way to just kind of limit that and 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 keep it limited, then I think they should be good going on down the run.
1: Well, that's why the they line. that's why they lost the Baylor. they had a a five turnover stretch right. in a, they, in a exactly. four and a half minutes there you go span late in the second half. Point proven. <laughs> uh, and but here's what I'm going to say is stylistically, it's and it's weird because it's the same coach and really half the main players are the same. When you're looking at Williams and you're looking at Broom and uh, you're looking at Katie and Cardwell and et cetera. I mean, it's it's three or four new guys into what was the team last year. But I will just tell you that it's stylistically different right. because of who the point guards are. Yeah. And you can the numbers were fine with Wendell. He was a good college basketball player. There's no need to go over the top with this. But he played a certain style that was not as conducive to a team-oriented offense. It, that's just how it was. Now, Hallway's going to take some 30-footers. Right. He's going to have some individual A-boom. moments that it's, it's going to be, let's, let's flex the talent a little bit. But overall, it is going to be more fluid, more opportunities for others. And when that happens, when you play with a more advanced freedom, sometimes you will have slop because these are college kids, and if you're playing fast, you're going to have moments where you you lose it a few times. Right. And, and so I'm going to tell you – that they're probably going to lose another game because they have a turnover fest in the second half. Right. I'm not overly worried about turnovers for a whole game. I'm not overly worried about they're just going to be fumble ruski all year. Spans. But, but I think <clears throat> they'll have those spurts, yes. Yep. And, and one or two of them might come at an inopportune time, and it already really did happen because, like I said, it, it happened from about the six- or seven-minute mark to the, about the two-and-a-half-minute right. mark. Uh, in the Baylor game. So so that is a part of it. But I think this team is way better off stylistically with this yeah. because you know those moments are are in really th- – those moments as being the bad part are a byproduct of something that is worth it. It's something that is sure. good the rest of the time. And I talked about last week, I think when you're just trying to compare some of these guys to last year's team because, again, you're just talking about replacing a few guys – I think that Baker Mazar is going to be a more efficient version of Alan Flanagan. Yeah. I think that, again, you're going to have a more explosive, more explosion than than Wendell Green when you have Aiden Hallway. I think you're going to get a better version, more valuable version of Trey Donaldson. I think Broom is experienced. He knows what he's doing in this league now. Williams certainly can continue to maintain this level of play. And then you to all that, you still have KD who last year – was not particularly good until later in the season. Then he got it going as a six-man. You still have that, but now you have Denver Jones to be a hopefully more controlled, again, more efficient, better shooting, a little more consistent scoring option for you. Right. Than where KD... Again, he might be able to be a positive in several games. He might be able to be the rabid jackal I described him as a couple of years ago and and be able to affect with his energy. I'm telling you what, guys, I, ho- I hope you saw the clip if you didn't see it live. He almost fouled Chad Baker-Mazzara as he dunked by himself. Yeah. Almost fouled <laughs> yeah. him. He was so excited. He got so high, and that's the stuff that you love. Yes, there's some bad, but – What I'm talking about is there's so much more on this team, I feel, especially from an offensive side of things, that you're not going to notice the games that he does not play well in as much as he did last year because of the style they're playing. There's more contributors, contributors. There's more ways to score. There's more shooting. And you're just not going to worry as much about if Katie doesn't hit that little step back three, or if he throws one off the backboard trying mm-hmm. to draw a foul. It's not good. I'm not saying let's let's have it at all times, but I don't think it's as vital that those shots go in this year. Right. And now you
2: have the free throw savant in Dylan Cardwell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going to last, but I certainly <laughs> I certainly credit him for that game because. Again, like I said, Broome was not shooting them well. <laughs> nah. and Cardwell Saint, was six for six. And St. Bonaventure, again, the time that they had cut it to about 13 or 12 or something like that was about three to four minutes to go. And that's when Cardwell hit the free throws. Yeah. So they're actually kind mm-hmm. of sending inadvertently the right guy to the line. And then he made him, and and then then come back. Any any fleeting thoughts of comeback right. were squashed there.
2: But now, didn't, when there didn't Bruce Pearl have a whole thing where he talked about it? He changed his whole shooting style. I can and, tell.
1: No, yeah, yeah, you look at it. It it's a different. It's a different. It's still weird. It's yep.
2: still weird because I mean he's so big. Yes, a very
3: it, very large young man. There's
2: the not court. much art to the ball, but it's got the touch. It's like a straight shot out of his hand without much art, but it's got the perfect touch to go in. So. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I definitely don't expect him to go 6-for-6 six six anymore. But, uh, hey, he's actually got a decent little free throw shot. Maybe that's something that uh, – I, I, I pick on Cardwell, but, I mean, I think he he provides a good secondary guy to Broom. You know, if Broom's not in there, I mean, Cardwell's not terrible. He, he's not a liability, I, I don't think.
3: Dylan, Dylan Cardwell is what he is. He is a backup center. He is good defense around the rim. He is good effort on rebounding. He's an he's an excellent energy guy. I was about he's going, to say, he is. He's going he's to, going to give, give you energy. He's going to give you hustle. While he's on the floor, he's going to give you everything he's got. Anytime he dribbles the ball, my heart ends up in my throat. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he is not a guy who you're going to rely on for 15 points a game ever. But for what you ask him to do, he can pull it off. And really, all that Auburn is asking Dylan Cardwell to do is go out there, give effort, block shots. Please, for the love of God, don't try to handle the ball. Right. Um, and, and I mean, look—if he can make his free throws, if you can't hack a Dylan, then I mean, that—that's another—that's another facet of his game that yeah. makes him a more valuable player.
2: The one thing I can say about Cardwell is, I—I <clears throat> I don't see him as a liability in such that. If Jani gets in foul trouble, yeah, that's bad. You're like, oh, man, that's not good. But there's not – i I've never really felt like when Cardwell is in there, it's like, oh, crap, we are in deep doo-doo right now because we've got – daggum Dylan Cardwell in there. It's like, oh, Lord, what's about to happen now? I've never really felt that. I mean, yeah, he's not going to – he's no Jani Broom. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to mistake him for that, but – I've never really felt that he's just a complete liability on the floor that you're in full pucker mode when he steps foot on the on the court. He can actually give you some points. He can give you some good defense. He's sure as hell gonna give you energy. Um I like him. I, I like the kid. I definitely, you know, don't want him starting for my team at any point, but I, I mean he's good. He's definitely not He's not somebody that I don't want to see on the floor. I want to remind
1: you of the free throw percentages because I thought I remember this correctly. <laughs> it was worse than I remembered. So first year, he was 57% from the line, which is not good. Uh, not not unique to big men. They shoot in the 50s. Jani Broom shoots in the 50s. Ugh. Sophomore year, shot 40% from the foul line. Mm. Last year, worse Thirty one point eight percent. That's not gonna do. This year so far, with those makes seventy seven point eight. I don't know if he'll carry seventy eight through the year, but if it's mm-hmm. if, if it's
3: if it's sixty if or it's, so. If it's
1: sixty, yeah, that would be a huge win uh coming from thirty one and forty percent the previous two years. So already I can tell you he's improved to some degree because you're not making six in a row uh if you're if you're down at, at thirty one, thirty five, forty percent. So uh credit to him for that. Let's real quickly talk about this Alabama A&M game, game coming up tonight uh, just for a couple moments, and we'll take our next break of the show. Again, we have mentioned that, uh, what's it, 32 and a half, 31 and 33, a half,
3: 33, 33 uh, I think. Um, any thought of covering tonight? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I Frankly, I don't know enough about... Alabama A and M. Also, I don't know if Bruce wants to go in there and embarrass them by thirty. That's just that's not the type of thing that he he likes to get a lead. And you know, if there's five minutes left and he's up by twenty, he's gonna coast. Um, The thing about Alabama A and M, the only thing that I know is that they are the only team in Division One basketball that has more bench that has more minutes from their bench than their starting five. Uh, I think fifty two percent of their minutes have come from their bench this year, something like that um so they're incredibly deep that means they stay fresh they rotate a lot and, and it's not easy to wear guys out if auburn was to cover by if auburn was to cover this game i would imagine that they wear guys out And i, I think alabama a&m is built to not allow that to happen so I, I think it would be tough to cover but i certainly do expect auburn to win comfortably tonight
2: i am same way I, bruce is not the type of guy to embarrass anybody I, I think they could cover. I just don't think they will because I think they'll just call off the dogs. It'll get a good, comfortable enough lead and and back it down and, and do what they do. And then you'll see the, the caboose. Hopefully you'll see the caboose come out onto the onto the court towards the end. and Put the walk-ons in, baby. Yeah, just kind of ride it Jared on. Jared
1: Harper's little brother's on the team. Yep, I want to see him play. I there want him go. to get minutes. Uh, I will say, if you're trying to make the argument for covering – uh, and Steve kind of asked us about this because he was surprised to see the, the line this big. Uh, the argument for covering on Auburn's side is that they beat teams that are ultimately not good but better than this on a neutral floor <laughs> by 17 and, what, 22, 23 points against yeah. Notre Dame. And so it's not that far-fetched to gain 10 to 12 more points on your home floor. The argument for why Alabama and m is this bad is they are 0-2. They lost to North Alabama, 83-67. Ooh. And they lost to Lipscomb. Wait for it. 106 to hmm. 81. So Alabama and M hmm. scored in that game, which I mean, given up. To, to lose by 30 points or more, I mean, you have to not score a ton. But Lipscomb did hang 106 on them. So It's a lot of points. Given Auburn's a- offensive acumen, I think they could play poorly tonight and score 80. I think they could play kind of bad and score 85, and I think they could play okay and score 90. Uh the I guess to showing you what it's been like for Alabama and M this year and it's just Auburn scoring the 80s frequently so I'm going to say they don't cover however I'm now not as surprised because I too was like "eh, it doesn't feel like they're getting to that I, I now see why it is that way and I do think they're going to win by the upper 20s something like 27-28 yeah. so they might even get to 30-32 at one point and just walk on it's like whoops you know, lost a couple threes there uh, so I do think they're actually going to scare it because I just think that Alabama A&M is going to end up being uh, pretty rough uh, especially defensively but you are right that is a, that is a good point they're going to play a lot of people they should not in theory get tired uh, it's just can they defend and, and can right. they can right. they put the ball in the basket enough we're going to take our next time out of the show when we come back we'll have more for you we'll talk a little, bit, a little bit of football coming up and again uh, final segment or two of the show again tomorrow's show is a new show it is not a live show a pre-recorded edition of the show so, if you want to get another phone call in before Friday, 334 887 3401 locally or toll free, 1 888 9 Tiger 9. Sports call returns after this.
0: Have your attention, please.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention?
0: We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi,
6: my name is what? My name is what? My name is
0: Sports Call on Tiger
6: 95.9.
0: I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports
4: Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Brant from Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Again, reminder that tomorrow we will have a new show, but not a live show. And uh, we therefore cannot take phone calls tomorrow, but we have pre recorded a full three hour show. Did it that late last night. So I want you to still listen in and talk a lot of football, of course. Uh, do talk some NFL and that. Uh, talk about thanksgiving traditions and that sort of thing it's a fun show and uh, so we'll have that on air tomorrow during this time slot thursday no show at all and then friday back with a live version of the show be happy to take all your phone calls get final iron bowl predictions get you set for the big game and the big weekend of college football again guys there are there is football in the meantime though there's egg bowl thursday night there's nfl games on thursday is that a big part of your thursday on your thanksgiving thursdays traditionally that the nfl games and the, and the egg bowl or taking them or leave them or, or what's that been like for you
2: guys? uh egg bowl egg bowl we always try to watch it my dad has a doctorate from mississippi state so i mean we try to watch that um you know usually the the day is kind of so hectic that the nfl games they're on the tv and i'll watch them kind of as i'm back and forth between doing everything that i've got to do during the day so yeah they're their own not as much of a tradition as that like making sure that the macy's uh thanksgiving day parade is on uh early in the morning but once once the games get going it's they're there but i'm not like sitting down and just like focused on i have got to watch this nfl game so that yeah
3: My family usually watches them. Uh, we turn on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade in the mornings. As soon as that's over, we'll put it, we'll put the, uh, the football on. Usually everybody in my family naps after the Thanksgiving Hmm. lunch, dinner, whatever you want to call it. Um, so while everyone else is asleep, I'm usually watching the football because I'm the only one in my family who really cares about the NFL. Everyone else is just like, "Ah, hey, there's football on, whatever." Uh, by the time the Egg Bowl kicks off, everyone's usually awake, so we we typically watch the Egg Bowl when it's on because my family does love college football.
1: Well, and the Egg Bowl loves to be wild. It's, yeah, it's always yes. a good way to end the end the Thursday.
2: I mean, we've had guys lifting their leg and mimic ping. Yeah, I mean, and then losing a game because the, of the
3: the piss, the miss, and the double dismiss. That's it. Because uh, obviously, like you said, he, the unsportsmanlike conduct in the in the end zone, he misses the PAT, and then both coaches immediately got fired. Yeah, the Pistons the, the double dismiss.
2: That's right. So, yeah, we'll be watching the Iron Bowl. Uh, the Iron Bowl. Yes. yes.
3: Yeah, I we'll, would hope so. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely there. be watching the Iron Bowl. But before that, the Egg Bowl. Uh, the the Egg Bowl. The
2: Egg Bowl. Where is that? Where is that one at this year? This one's Starkville. Stark, yep. Stark Vegas. Okay. Yep. Uh, states. I remember when they used to play that in Jackson.
1: It feels like most of these games were played at neutral sites once upon a yeah. time. It, uh you go far enough back in history, you had to play where you had a stadium. Yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, that that would be fair. But uh, yeah, no, the egg ball is always a uh, a really fun game. Again, national importance not usually there. But again, if you don't think the pe- people of Mississippi care immensely about that one, oh, yeah. uh, that that's. Uh, that hatred's there i can assure you know a few people uh from the state of mississippi and uh they all have an opinion and it is a strong one. four zero one locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line next up michael from auburn michael is with us michael how are you today doing good guys uh, just had some quick questions do you think
8: uh Rhett lashley will be in the sec next year
1: I would have thought more likely if the Arkansas job right. had come open. Uh, you know, I guess Mississippi State could definitely still go in that direction. Uh, I think A and M though is going to be batting a little bit higher than that. I mean, it was it's, it, it is an in-state guy, uh, but but I thought that Arkansas was probably the best fit for him, and now that job won't come open.
8: Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see that. But speaking of him, um, I know when Gus was on the planes, kind of wanted the high low. You know, because Rhett was one that was on the sidelines for the read option with Nick Marshall. And I was just seeing a lot more read option calls uh, with Peyton Thorne. And I didn't know if – it didn't seem like it was – it kind of seemed like it was a predetermined keep or predetermined handoff uh, on a lot of those. Uh, If he handed the ball off uh, on a few of those runs, it seemed like, you know, the scrimmage completely – Opened up that if he hands it off to Hunter. You know he breaks one, but he decides to keep it. And I just, I don't know. I haven't heard very, very much commentary from, from Hugh Freeze on, on those design runs and who who makes that call. If that's just something he sends in, or if it's a a true read. Uh, because I know with, with Nick in that first year in thirteen and carrying over to the first part of fourteen. Um, there was a lot of predetermined, you know, it wasn't a true zone read. It was kind of a, a predetermined, you're going to hand this off or you're going to keep it kind of thing. So um, just what are your guys' thoughts on that or, or, or have you heard any commentary on some of those reads? Because I know I, one particular play I know from Saturday, if he hands it off, Hunter has a huge hole, but, you know, he keeps it and tucks it on. So I just didn't know if that was a misread or if that's design play call
3: yeah no one's really asked about that that's an interesting question from watching it it looks like Thorne is trying to read uh that in man on the line of scrimmage they are leaving him unblocked which is which is how you read the guy um but definitely this year he's missed a couple of reads and I I think I remember the play that you're talking about uh from Saturday but he's he has not been 100 percent on those reads but to me it looks like he is reading on those
2: plays Uh, against Arkansas there were a lot of reads and and a lot of good reads that were made on that I this last game against New Mexico State I I don't know um I'd have to go back and actually watch the film since I was there watching it in person but um I would I would assume because of what they were doing with Arkansas that they were making true reads and probably just weren't making the reads, or New Mexico State had, you know, things set up to where even if they read correctly, they've got somebody there. Or they just do what you call a mesh rush, and you just meet right there at the at the mesh and just foul everything up.
8: Yeah, and I know we've, we somewhat talked that we didn't think that there was going to be too many changes on the defensive side. Um, but do you think uh, – or who do you think we would look at on the offensive side if, if changes were made? Um, who, who do you think we would look at on that and um,
3: your thoughts on that? And I appreciate the time, guys. I'll hang up and listen. Absolutely. Appreciate
1: the phone call, Michael. That's Michael from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line.
3: I think whoever Auburn gets, if they do make changes on the offensive side, is going to depend on whether or not Hugh Freeze wants to retake play calling duties. Because since he has, re- since he has in his words, become more involved with play calling, Auburn's offenses look significantly better. And I've been kind of beating the drum for saying, Hey, you've been calling plays your whole career. There's no reason to give it up now because you're going to have to be able to recruit and coach at the same time. Sorry. That's the reality of this job. So if you freeze wants to take over play calling, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing Cadillac in that offensive coordinator role. Let him be more involved, uh, put him in a, in a higher position. Or if you don't want to be involved in play calling, I don't know. it, It would depend on who's available. Right. Um, and who fits that
2: style? Because they're yeah, not going to yeah. suddenly go to a West Coast offense. Yeah, you're not you're not going
3: to hire Jimbo Fisher to be the offensive coordinator right. under on a Hugh Freeze coach right. team. The offenses are too different. Um, but I, I honestly, like, I didn't I didn't know who Philip Montgomery was before this year. I never had never yeah, heard yeah, that name either. before. So it it would probably be somebody that I just am not thinking of right now because I I don't know who all would be available, who runs that style of offense, and and who it feels comfortable calling plays for it.
1: I think the the point the most important point there is it depends what Freeze wants yeah. in terms of, of what he's going to do play calling. Uh, I did I was familiar with Montgomery's background dating back to RG three and following him along at smaller conference football there at Tulsa offense is in general pretty good but obviously did not turn out in the long term as a head coach there. I I don't know of a name that comes to mind right now. Um, and again I think that just boils down to what freeze wants and if he if he can kind of keep himself from calling plays for another year because i could i think it was evident he made the decision he made he he wanted to focus more on recruiting than on game planning this year i think it was clear it's been bugging him not calling plays Uh, and i think that he has slowly creeped more into game planning Uh, as time has gone on and and well it's easy to do that when the offense is not functioning the way it was not functioning but i I think that i i've said from like game four or game three maybe the cow game he's gonna end up being the play caller again and he's gonna end up being the main play caller at some point auburn he's not gonna go down without doing that uh and we're not to any sort of point where he's about to go down or anything like that but i i think that he will end up calling plays now. Does he want to give it another year and try to make a different hire uh, or have another go with Montgomery? I, I don't know. Uh, but but he will end up calling these plays uh, before too long. So if he wants to go to calling plays next year, you're usually looking at someone younger, looking at someone that is just, that's it, it, just the title is a step up, regardless on if you actually have the type of game planning or the type of play calling input that you want to have if he wants to uh, have another go at another play caller that's not himself and it's not Montgomery then he's going to go with someone with more experience uh, and someone that again that runs stuff that he wants to run again as you guys said too uh, it's not going to be something that's fundamentally different the terminology might be different and that's what it was with Montgomery's offense but he's going to try to get someone like-minded. And, and that's what offensive and, de- and defensive people usually do. Like If you have a bread and butter, if you got to this point, you probably did something well on one side of the ball, you're going to want to see that side of the ball played out in a similar way. And for Freeze, it's even more advanced, and people like him that do typically call plays because they are even more invested and have even more of an opinion on what, your, what that offense looked like because it's still more my offense or if it's someone else's deep my defense. Like if you've been calling that for a portion of your head coaching career, you've not detached yourself from that, and therefore you're going to have an even stronger input and opinion on what that should look like. So there's every reason to think that no matter how he goes, it's going to be someone with a very similar style that – you know if if he's gonna call plays more of a a yes man type of thing or if he wants one more year to try (laughs) try to test his resolve on recruiting versus game planning or recruiting versus play calling then he'll hire someone else of the montgomery elk that uh maybe just got fired from a head coaching job or uh is is not has a big ego to need to, to to do things in a completely different light than what freeze is going to want to do them. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I do think we've moved in that direction though. I think this iron bowl might mean a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it, well, and it also means a lot too from the standpoint of was that progression real or was it just the absolute bottom of the barrel of teams? Yeah. Uh, it,
3: it, going up against teams that didn't have anything to play for. I mean, you, you were playing against teams outside of that Arkansas team that we thought had some life breathed into it against Florida, you beat teams that were dead or dying or didn't have any expectation when you beat Cal. Um, I think it was was it Joe that called in and said, "Yeah, you haven't beaten a team with a winning record. You're not going to beat a team that finishes with a winning record unless Cal pulls off an ups- upset this weekend." I think. I think they're five and f- uh, five and six right now. Yeah. Um, so so you're, Yeah, you're, you're not you're not going to pull off a. a a win against a team with a winning record
1: yeah uh so i don't know but the montgomery question will be interesting again uh re- unless there's something crazy in our bowl and, and a, a significant improvement it's definitely going to be one of the hot button topics of of the off season and of course that kind of stuff can get decided uh rather quickly final few minutes of the show now about to get to a tv guide in just a moment uh we were talking a little bit about uh thanksgiving tradition and I was just going to throw in there that I usually sit down and watch a whole lot of football on those on those mm-hmm. Thursdays, and I'm glad that we now have a competent Lions team. Oh uh, yeah, it's not it's not the feel bad for them, two and eight got to <laughs> root for him. Uh, Calvin Johnson's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Stafford slinging it around, no defense, couple turnovers, lose thirty one twenty eight. Uh so excited to see a better Lions team, and. The night game is actually pretty good. It's overlapping with the Egg Bowl, obviously, but it's the Seahawks and 49ers, no. and that's a pretty important game for the mm-hmm. NFC West because the 49ers are 7-3, and three, Seahawks 6-4 and four on Seattle's home field. So you either get the real separation, the 49ers are back to looking like the 49ers we expected, uh, or Seattle pulls an upset, and you've got to race the finish there in the West with a team that was supposed to be at least the second-best team And then see, we had a heck of a game last night. Had uh, Eagles and Chiefs, Mm. uh, low scoring
3: affair. Kansas City can't catch the ball, man. I was about to say Kansas City's wide
2: receivers remind me of Auburn's. (laughs) Please
3: get, (laughs) please get Patrick Mahomes, somebody that can catch a football. That's not just Travis Kelsey, like. I everyone's going to go back to Marquez Valdez-Scantling's drop, dro- the, the drop of the winning the touchdown. Mm. But that was that was far from the only drop in that mm. game. I mean, even Travis Kelsey wasn't immune to well, it. He, he had a couple stri- in that game. And, then uh, and, stri- and had the red zone fumble as yeah. well. So, I mean, a, a obviously a super talented player. But Patrick Mahomes deserves better than his current wide receiver core. Well, and it goes to show you that, yes, everyone will make their – Version of
1: arguments. Well, he had so and so to throw to. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you have to have certain level uh, of guys because Mahomes has looked very normal this year. He he still has some abnormal freak plays, but just the overall scope of it, they've won with defense this year. Yeah. They're they're second in the league in defense. That's how they're winning. He's throwing to
2: Kadarius Tony. Yeah, yeah. but but see, then that's what uh, you know. I think. I, you know, when you look at the NFC right now, obviously Philadelphia Eagles and the 49ers, That's like they've separated. They have really separated. Uh, AFC. I mean, who? Who is it right now? Because I,
3: I, I at the beginning of the year, I would have told you the Bills, but they're five and five. They, they, and they, they, they just are, had to fire their offensive coordinator. Yeah, they're, well, they're and, struggling.
2: And, and and Allen has been a turnover machine. Uh, the Chiefs look. Highly, highly mortal right now.
3: I think the Ravens uh, are are a team to watch out of the AFC. I think yeah. I think Lamar Jackson's kind of seeing the matrix right now. No. <laughs> I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I still want to see. Again, I do want to see San Francisco beat
1: Seattle before I declare them. Ahead of the rest of the pack because they lost three games in a row. True, uh, and and they have looked much better the last two weeks. They beat Tampa, but I'm sorry, Tampa's not going to tell me that <laughs> that uh, that that you're all of a sudden a great team just because you beat the Bucks. So, uh, I I think I think they're going to end up being number two in the NFC. I'm not not saying the contrary, but I just want to see them go on the road in your division. That will really be that that tester there. But Philly looks good, man. They they can win every type of game. They did give up some
3: pressure to Kansas, Kansas City's defense. Jalen Hurts gets sacked a lot early in that game. I didn't know. J- talking about the Eagles, first of all, Jason Kelsey's the best center in the in in the world, uh, and he's doing it at thirty six years old. Yeah. That yeah. dude is so incredibly old for a football player, especially for an offensive lineman, and he's still moving like that. There's there's a play where he's at the center position. He pulls around and gives a lead block, and it just throws a linebacker down. It's incredible how fast he is and how well he's been doing it for so well for so long uh and
2: still just the best center in the league there was a play in that game and i don't know if it was the same one he was he was lead block but uh he saw something and pointed to his left and he got jalen's attention and was like pointing over to the left and it was basically it almost sounded like he said hey I'm going that way, get on my butt and follow me because yeah. that's exactly what happened. The, the snap went, Kelsey came up, made a block and went exactly where he was pointing and Jalen Hurts went right behind him and off they went. If you can I was get like, it,
3: man, that's cool. If you've got a center who's fast enough to pull, you've got a freak athlete, man. Yeah. That's That's insanely difficult to be able to line up in the dead middle snap the ball and then get out and into it and then out. get out fast enough in a pull. Mm-hmm. that's that's incredible and kelsey
1: did mull retirement this offseason too i mean
2: it, mm-hmm. it might be about uh, about the end of his career. well and now so. travis is talking about travis kelsey right. is talking about They're, all the, the 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 bumps and bruises and everything and i wonder why yeah i wonder, <laughs> I wonder what ta- changed in his life uh, like, <laughs> baby stay home
1: uh-huh. <laughs> uh so yeah, anyway, uh, but that was a good one last night. And, it, was a, it was a good game. Uh, no reason to think that it couldn't end up being in the Super Bowl again, but uh, still a long way to go for that. Real quickly, the Nightly TV guy presented by White Claw, Hart Seltzer, Bowling Green, Western Michigan, and some action 6 o'clock on ESPNU, more action. ESPN2, Eastern Michigan, and Buffalo, Men's College Basketball, Alabama A&M, and Auburn, 7 o'clock SEC Network Plus. And then a couple of movies: Mulan at six o'clock on Freeform, and The Water Boys six ten on FX Movies. And that's the night. Is that
2: Water?
3: (laughs) Is that the best Adam Sandler movie? It's up there. It's certainly
2: up there. Happy Gilmore is. Happy Gilmore is awesome. Is is incredible.
3: I yeah. Uh, Water. Longest Yard. The 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 remake of The Longest Yard also comes to mind.
1: Water Water Boys and that's incredible so stuff ending the show with some adam sandler thoughts <laughs> good stuff today for sure that's going to wrap it up for the show today tom pv thank you for being here this week sir i hope you have a very happy thanksgiving
2: absolutely and happy thanksgiving and safe travels to everybody out there uh enjoy time with your family and enjoy some great food and I'll be back on the show next Monday. Yes, sir. And Brant Dauntry, thank you for being here today. Hope you have safe
1: travels and a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you again on Friday.
3: Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for having me. And that will do
1: it for the show today. Again, reminder, we will have a show tomorrow. It's just not live. It's going to be pre-recorded. We're back with you live again on Friday. We thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dauntry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a very happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again soon.